Hello, and welcome back to The Stacks, a podcast about everything cinema, the good, the bad, and the in-between. And today we're looking at the filmography of Spike Lee, one of the most influential and important American directors of the 20th and 21st century. Known for his politically charged narrative films and documentaries, with focus on social commentary, racial politics, and showcasing the black experience in America. Stephen, Spike Lee... Spike Lee. So I think so. This was suggested by Bravo, yes. um, our yeah. wonderful patron Bravo, um, who he went through a Spike Lee marathon a few years back because yeah. I believe the the R Letterboxd Discord had a Spike Lee season. I think so. Yeah, um, I think they did do the think, right thing, and I think he spun off from that and just went. Yeah, through the I, whole hold. I think a few people watched through a few of them. I think Calvin watched a bunch that time as well. Um, so he's watched all of Spike Lee's movies and wanted us to, to do the same. And I had watched a bunch mm. but with notable omissions and now i'm going to bring you the knowledge of 33 <laughs> well no sorry 32 spike lee joints mm. and old boy notably not a spike lee joint um, <laughs> no that's a so film by i think 32 <laughs> spike lee joints and one a film by by spike lee he should have gone for, like whole hog and has been shelton lee on that and just, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no, yeah a film by shelton lee um <laughs> So we're going to go from She's Gotta Have It. She does. All the way up all to the, way. the Nike commercial that he made last year. <laughs> but realistically, American Utopia. American so Utopia is kind of our From She's Gotta Have It to American here. Utopia, which yeah. are some lovely um, wraparound movies there. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about every feature film mm-hmm. that he has made. Um, and I'm going to comment on some of his documentaries, yes. as, I, as is Jack. Yep. Um, and some of his theatre stuff, as okay, is cool. Jack. Um, and a couple of his shorts, yep. um, but more anecdotally, really, on those. Yeah, I think the main bulk is going to be on, insight. on the big feature stuff and some of his yeah. really vital, important documentary work. So let's let's get right to it. Let's gotta have it. We gotta have it. She's gotta Ooh. have it from 19... 19- she hasn't gotta have it yet, eight. because this film has a bit of a context to it that's very, very interesting. Stephen, hit me so, with the context. Yeah, so She's Gotta Have It um, is is a really impactful, um, really famous and hugely successful mm. motion picture um, from Spike Lee. Um, his his first feature film, which is primarily in black and white with yes. one absolutely fabulous scene it's in tra- colour. Yep. Um, a Wizard of Oz I, moment, the sort of yes, transition yeah, yeah. into colour. Um, cite, cited as such. Um, so this film is a long time coming, actually. So mm. Spike Lee goes to film school, goes to NYU, um, is taught under Scorsese, uh, very famously was with Ang Lee at film oh. school, referred themselves as the Lee Brothers, um, amusingly. Um, and also at film schools when he met Ernest Dickerson. Mm. So Ernest Dickerson would go on to shoot the majority of movies. Yep. Now, Spike Lee works primarily with three cinematographers. We're going to talk about all three of them because they're all really interesting, yep. really, really fabulous cinematographers um so we'll get to them as we get to them um a new one comes in at clockers and then another mm. brilliant new one comes in a bit later yes fair. and all have very definitive looks mm-hmm. ernest dickerson as people listen to the podcast will know um directed a film called bones which i am yet to see um, bones and, and should have done demon knight which is yeah. fantastic tales from the crypt demon knight i think i watched for the first time last year and then it just made so much sense that Dickerson was a regular Spike Lee cinematographer. And I didn't really put that together until very recently. And there is a crew here that I want to talk about. Um, So 
we'll get to this quite all well the way through. A lot of really good actors have their first performances in Spike Lee movies. Mm. Um, so I do want to call out the, the casting of these movies. And Spike Lee, so I read a, a book of interviews, which is actually really brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. I recommend that everyone reads it. So it's Spike Lee Interviews, published by Mississippi Press, um, University of press of mississippi um part of a series of conversation filmmakers it's really, really good because he doesn't give many interviews um because mm. he is known for being spiky um <laughs> and combative um right so it's a really curated um selection of the best interviews okay so it's one of those and, like a, a chrono uh, a chronicling of of interviews yeah. throughout the years it's not just sitting with him in a contemporary manner and yeah, so reflecting it, it's on pretty his much work. every decent piece mm. done on spike lee from she's gotta have it up to and including bamboozled amazing and bamboozled has like three at the end because it is the new movie is mm. the movie yeah type. yeah that's and, what the book is like building towards basically and those ones because it's his most interesting film i would argue mm-hmm. they are absolutely fascinating interviews it's a lot of people you get twice um because he only really speaks to certain interviewers okay that's fair um, enough he's very selective so charlie rose is, is in there twice um mm. of long form Basically, Charlie Rose talks about basketball for a while and then gets him to talk about film and then back to basketball <laughs> and then back to film. So it's, it's this, this lovely to and fro. Um, there's lots of great anecdotes and things from that. But a thing that he keeps bringing up is people talk, he's like, people talk about Spike Lee films because these are really collaborative. Of A lot of it is improvised. Um, mm. So he works with actors that can improvise. Um, and it is the cinematographers, it is Ruth Carter on costumes and yep. mentions, and it is the people that do casting for mm. his film. And I didn't know the name, I should have done I'll say it's Betty somebody. I'll, I think I've got it later in my notes, so I'll go back to it. Um, but I think it is really worth noting the people that do casting these films are brilliant because they are full of brilliant actors, usually before they've really broken out. Yeah. Um, like Halle Berry has I know, like her yeah. first That was a very surprising bit of, a, a bit of trivia when she popped up in, on screen. Um load of brilliant people mm-hmm. um and she's gonna have it is spike lee's first film as well yes um, yes but, so at nyu um he is almost kicked out of nyu oh. um for his thesis film which he then had to do a different thesis film mm. um so his thesis film the answer um is very infamous um it is lost well i don't know if it's lost because it's like a student film it was just never preserved uh, yeah sure Anyway, so you can't see it um, unless listeners, if you if you have it somewhere, would love to Spike, watch Spike, if you're listening, yeah, send us in a 16mm reel or whatever. Yeah, please do. So he got kicked out of film school um, because the answer is about a young black filmmaker that is tasked with um, remaking The Birth of a Nation. Yes, um, yeah. And it... <laughs> dares to question Birth of a Nation at a time when the Birth of a Nation was a uh, cornerstone key text on film syllabuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people were like, you can't do this. Um, and this very nicely comes back um, in Bamboozled. Obviously, mm. Bamboozled was very much about that. And in Black Klansman, where um, the film is shown at, at several points. So he then does um, the film that you noted, that fir- that second one you noted, the I think it, it's sort of as we shave heads. I forget what the yes, beginning. The... I, it's Joe's Bedstoy, Bedstoy Barbershop. So that's we that's, that's the short name for the neighborhood, which is the same neighborhood that do the right thing ah, is based in. Um, got yeah. And it is about a uh, a barbershop in that neighborhood. And for that, he won an Academy Award. Wow. The Student Academy Awards. So who? It's a sub brand of the Academy Awards, okay. um, affiliated, mm-hmm. um, and that propelled him or at least he thought it would and that's going to get difficult so then he wanted to make a movie called um the messenger 
um, which he tried to get made. And I think his um, grandmother put about 12 grand of her money into it and lost that completely. um, Rough. It's a rough, yeah, risky Um, investment. And so that fell through. And then later we have Do the Right Thing, which is shot in 12 days, um, which is mad. Um, And it is a lot of first time performers um, halfway through writing it. You mean she's got to have it, right? he He would be in it. Yeah. Not, what, sorry? not do the right thing. She's got to have it. Yes, I, I'm an idiot. Um, she's got to have it. It's these, these titles. There's, there's so a lot got, of words. She's got to have it. Um, yes, yeah. Likely, half of you writing it decides that he should play this role, mm. and also it is cheaper for him to play this role. Yeah, of course. However, he did note um, that it was very difficult to direct and act, and actually for a lot of his films, Ernest Dickerson takes over as AD sure. and does the, the, the verbal directing when, mm. when he is performing. Um had you seen She's Got to Have It before? No, never. First time. Interesting. Um, what did you think of it? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It feels it's, it's very, very fresh. A very exciting sort of debut feature, a- akin to sort of like French New Wave styles. It feels yes. it feels brand new. It feels like the beginning of something different and something brave and interesting. Um, a bit of like the Woody Allenisms of, of so of yes, New he York was he was branded as the Black Woody Allen, um, mm. and in his second film tried to pull away from that. Yeah, I can imagine so that's is, not really something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> beautiful it, black and white feels like a, a um, nice humble production, as you said. It was shot in twelve days, um, mm. but I think it's succinctly sort of it's like a statement piece of what Spike Lee's all about and what he wants to try and tackle, what he wants to try and cover, the themes and ideas he wants to showcase, and how he wants to portray characters as well. It's it's very very good. Mm. Um, it is a controversial film for a variety of reasons. Okay, um, and a lot's been written about it, and a lot's controversial. It's the one thing in his filmography that's got a scene which he regrets, and when he's asked about his regrets, he brings it up. Um, so, content warning for mm. talk about sexual assault. Yep. There is a rape scene in this film. Yes, and he has said several times that if he was make it again, and if he make any of the films again, he would get rid of it, mm. um, and for good reason. It, it is a bad scene. Um, it doesn't work in the film, especially not because there needs to be a an arc later in the film. No when the, the soap, things are paved over yes it's bad mm-hmm. it's very very bad um so the film is in two controversies one is its release controversy so it was going to be x-rated okay um which is now the equivalent of an nc-17 i guess yeah um and he had to cut it back repeatedly um to get it into american cinemas but said on video you'll see it properly and in europe you'll see it properly <laughs> um and he pointed out the amount of sexual explicit content in it mm. is no different from his specifically mentioned Body Double, um, the department. Uh, okay. He goes, look at Body Double, like what's that doing? And he, this is the first of many times he points out his perceived, and I would agree, double standard of it's because I'm a black filmmaker. Yes. And it's about black sexuality, mm. um, which is a, a theme that runs throughout his filmography. Um, so that is controversial, but also leads to it being quite quite talked about mm-hmm. because it, it's the sexy film with the sex that almost got it banned. Yeah. Um, it's also hugely talked about because of misogyny. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the beginning of a career-long battle with being accused of being a misogynist. Yeah. Um, it's come up again and again and again. Um, what's your take? I know this is this is My, bad of us to sit here as just two dudes as being like, t- misogyny. As, as two white um, men talking about a black filmmaker yeah. talking about misogyny. Yes. Um, I think, is it down to Spike's character mainly? I think the character he plays is sort of that front of misogyny for me in this, like... Yeah this power dynamic of a woman seeing three different men and each of them has their own sort of caveats and differences and interests um but yeah the way i don't know if at the beginning it feels very uh progressive in a way it's sort of presenting this this relationship Mm. this woman this sort of uh 
sexually free um, sort of dynamic. Um, and then, yeah, there are just there are verbose moments where you are just hit with the sort of misogynistic waves of dialogue. And obviously, as the aforementioned uh, sexual assault scene, which I felt was just completely unnecessary. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's the, very bad. The it's film, really the bad. film was uh, immaculate, and, and up to that point, I would say I feel like everything was coherent and concise with yeah. what the the film is trying to say and uh, what the characters are trying to do. And it felt it, it felt like a, like a note of something being like there needs to be like a, a, a grander conflict, some sort of thing towards the end. But um, I like it as a as a as an interesting eighties like sexual liberation piece. What about yourself? It, it it certainly is that, and and I agree. I do think its structure works against it in that way. Of I do like that there is this empowered liberated woman at the center, but in his oh actually, do you want to guess what was his main influence? This film, what film he mm. was doing it in the style of? Oh, interesting. Would I, I would I know this film? Yes. Uh, you would. Can I get a year or like a a, a ballpark? Fifties. Fifties. Damn. Uh, 50s like a billy um, wilder award, or something award winning international cinema that put a whole nation's cinema on the map uh france no mm, 50s okay go on I'm, I'm not gonna get this Rashomon. oh wow interesting okay that makes sense so with the way these the pieces structure. to camera were seen as i think now we're just so used to the storytelling yeah and I think, yeah, yeah and, I which is why we don't I don't watch this and say this is Rashomon. Not at all. But at the time, all the reviews were like, this is like Rashomon. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess because the different people perspectives weren't doing that and... a lot. Mm. So this pieces to camera of this is what I saw, I saw. He was purposely trying to evoke Rashomon. And that works stylistically. Mm. And it's a very stylish and cool movie. But the critique at the time, and I agree, is you've got three more fleshed out men than you do have a woman. Yes. Um, you have a somewhat empty, characterised around woman. There is a, a slight... Um, slight gay panic elements to it of there is mm. the the lusty corrupting lesbian at the side of things mm. which got a lot of critique mm. which is which is fair mm. um, yep. it's it is presented as the exoticized other of yeah. a different um, exotic yeah. there's a quote from spike lee that i think actually articulates the issues of this film um inadvertently so here's a quote let's make a film about a woman who is actually living her life as a man hmm and that's because, because he of... understands the idea of men are intersex yes, and, and women are not get screwed a lot. Yeah. So what if there was a woman that was? And I think that that is a perspective that underlines the film mm. of it's what if a woman was like this as opposed to being like women no, are women, women are, are like this. Yeah. yeah. Are, <laughs> can be are not inherently exactly, no one yeah. is inherently but can be. It's that what if we did this what is his masculine trait but feminized Through it. A woman, oh, and yeah, women I think that does come from. Well, I think as soon as I read that I was like. Oh yeah, that's a thing that I not quite clicked on, mm. but I, that does seem to be an issue for me. Um, it is great though; it is funny, it is mm. stylish. The Wizard of Oz sequence is utterly yes. outstanding. Yeah, it really, is really good. Beautiful, nice transition into color there. And I love the um, the coming to dinner scene uh, yeah. of of the three of the men together talking. It's it, it's absolutely wonderful, mm. beautiful film, sexy, cool, amazing. The Bill Lee soundtrack, Brilliant. his father, really yes. cool. So his jazz father soundtrack. scores his a first couple, four movies. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and his father is the inspiration for Mobat Blues. Yes. Um, and Blanchard is the trumpeter 
Immo Better Blues, mm. and then Blanchard takes over as his um, composer. As uh, composer, well, there you go. Which is it was nice going really through cool. going through these early films in like sequential order and seeing like mm. familiar faces pop up, like recurring yeah. actors and pieces like that. It's nice he's got like a little ensemble unit, like, a bunch of like it is regulars, isn't it? Yeah, especially and with John Turturro popping up every now yeah, and yeah. then. I'm like, this could just be a Cohen Cohen joint. Yeah, John Turturro. I think to my wife that was earlier. John Turturro, who is brilliant in every Cohen film and every Spike Lee film and apart from that doesn't seem yeah, to doesn't really, doesn't really do much else out of that he's got his two <laughs> like, like Transformers fuck it why like, not um, but yeah powerful, he will kill it in a Spike Lee movie powerful American movie. cinema and then yeah whatever else he's in these days yeah um, so b- before we move on to the next movie mm. which is really interesting which you've not seen I'm going to tell you about um, there's a quote from Bell Hooks um, legendary um, culture critic um, black feminist Bell Hooks um in her book, Real to Real. Mm. So she's got to have it. It's what she's talking about. Generated more discussion of the politics of rape and gender, of rape and violence against black women than any feminist article or book on the subject at the time. Okay, interesting. Is that just... And she's critical of the film. Mm. She has issues with it, but she makes the, the excellent point that populist art, yeah, the it's art just... that people see. Yeah, it's, it's more about the reach. Always going to speak more. It's not necessarily about how the, the content is actually disseminated. It's, it's just the fact that it is disseminated. It is more yeah. popular than academic journals at the time. You know, it's popular cinema. And I mean, she is broadly, I mean, she, I, I, don't, I can't prescribe, but she, there is positives about the film, but she is, you know, negative about those aspects of it. But it's a really good point of mm. this was a talking point film. And was talked about for a reason. So this made a huge amount of money um, from a tiny, tiny budget. Yep. And from this point onwards, um, so since School Days, his second film, mm. Spike Lee has had final cut on every film apart from notably Old Boy. Yeah. Um, because and maybe some of the more recent ones he has not. So in this book, it, it said so up until Bamboozled at least. So I don't know if it's the case mm. with. Things like Black Klansman and Defy Bloods. I presume Defy Bloods he did because that's a Netflix yeah, joint. Yeah, yeah, um, But old boy aside, Final Cut is a thing that he he always has, which is which is great um, and a, an absolute rarity. Um, so I thought that was worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. The next movie, School Days. Yeah, yeah, I did not didn't get round to this one, but uh, you you didn't put it on my my essentials list, so I want to see, I want to hear your 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 verdict on this one because it sounds interesting. The premise itself, sort of like this uh, musical comedy, high school fraternity. It's, it's really cool. It's a really cool movie. Um, it it reminds me of a bunch of things. So this is his. Do you remember um at the Cannes Film Festival when um. Magnolia had been screened and they asked Paul Thomas Anderson what his next movie was. Oh, wow. And he said a 90-minute romantic comedy starring Adam Sandler. Um, <laughs> and everyone laughed because it's, it's, a, it's joke, a joke. But it was also but true. it's also going to he, be real. He, he knows that sounds funny. Yeah. So, Spike is the same thing. So, what's your next film? He goes, well, it's it's it's, it's a college musical, um, college musical. And it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah. this is him him zagging completely. It didn't do great, um, but it did fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a career legacy here of not quite finding audiences, and then weirdly massively finding audiences, and yeah, then back and like forth, peaks back and, forth, peaks back and, and forth. troughs in terms of like hit, hits and misses in terms of finding his audience or finding an audience that aligns with the work he's putting out there. 
School Days is another controversial film, um, which is going to be the thing every time. Um, and it was quite controversial among um, black audiences okay. who accused, according to Spike Lee at least, of this being a film of washing dirty laundry in public. Um, because this is a film about colorism. Oh, um, okay. So this is about... So when a bunch of white-made or white-lensed um, films about racism are like it is the whites versus the blacks mm-hmm. to put it very, very reductively. This is about intercommunity prejudice, mm. um, which comes up again in Jungle Fever, which you have seen. Yes. Jungle Fever also takes on colorism again. Um, and a lot of people had the point of when we are already an underrepresented prejudice group as a more homogenous whole, um, is it the right thing to be doing to be going deeper and deeper and deeper? And obviously it's not up to me to comment on that, but I think as a film, I think it's really interesting. Mm. Um, and it's a great thing to be about. It reminds me, though not stylistic, well, stylistically, I guess, though it's not very similar. Have you seen Golden 80s, the Chantal Ackerman No, movie? I've not. I want to see that one. I um, want to see that one. It's similar in that thing of being like, I can't believe they made a musical. <laughs> it's got a sense of being like, here's the... It's got some serious themes, but sure, it's, it's but a the goddamn actual, musical. The actual uh, yeah, production, the form around it is a musical. That's interesting. Yeah. The film's good. Um, the musical numbers are kind of like they're hmm. quite clumsily they just kind of exist yeah I, um, I saw like it's not really like a full-blown musical no. i think some of the, some of the shame. takes i, I read it it's sort of like uh two films in one which i again it seems to be like a bit of a recurring theme this, with yes, Spike that's what about to say. this this becomes it it reminds me of a film that it's about maybe a few times um welcome to the terror dome which is a, a film i absolutely adore um which is the first film from a british black um, female filmmaker um absolutely excellent movie and again it feels like i put all my ideas in this film because there is that sense with minority or um distance or othered perspectives in film there's that constant thing of being like i don't know if i'm gonna get to do this again yeah it's um, it's very much like this is a especially sort of late 80s emerging black filmmaker mm. what can i do is this the last is this it am i gonna be a two film so guy yeah i'm gonna just put it all under one roof and you know get my money's worth it's a thing our friend calvin pointed out actually um on a, a forum today of talking about the there's a trend of wes anderson before wes anderson's film is out he always talks about the cast of his next film and that's cool he's moving on there's a presumption of there of being like I don't need this film to make no, money no he, he's, he's set for life someone he... will keep funding Wes Anderson yeah movies. absolutely like he's always on to the next Which thing is great. because he knows even if it doesn't make bank he's still in yeah. the you know the studio's pockets he can just do what he wants he, yeah and a lot of filmmakers don't have no, that not at all. I that's why it's you so get rare. I made five films in one film because when they <laughs> yeah, make my colorism yeah, yeah. film I am going to do everything mm. um, this film's interesting because this also Again, we have the misogyny complaints okay. about it. Um, but there are three things that Spike clearly criticised of throughout his career. Okay. Um, misogyny, yep. homophobia, yep. and semitism. Yep. Four things, actually. Um, being against Italian-Americans. Yeah, ra- well. I was going to say that. Um, racism towards a different sort of uh, race. Though, oh, yeah. and also hating white people. But we're not even going to talk about that. Because uh, that's that's, that's, I, that's, that's not, such a misnomer. That's, no. that's not based on anything textual. Whereas we can link representation of Italian-Americans, mm-hmm. of Jewish people... Um, of women and of of, uh, of gay characters in general, um, and so slightly his comment on this of yes, the F slur is used a bunch in this movie, um, and he makes the point of this is based on his college days at a um, traditionally mm-hmm. black college. I want to say I 
I forget the name of it. Um, it escapes me. Forgive me. Um, and it's like this is the way people spoke, etc., etc., which is always the thing that is said. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. a goddamn it's a product hyper, of, product of a hyper stylized musical. Yeah. What are you talking about, dude? Like, yeah, sure. you, 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 you can need... you can definitely omit slurs in your in your high school musical <laughs> remake. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's absolutely wild. Um, you've got Esposito in this yep. being brilliant, Lawrence, and you've Larry got Mark Fishburne being brilliant. Sam um, you don't need Larry Fishburne. Singing a song that's full of Eslers. You don't need Oh, that. wow. Um, so it's in the songs. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of movie. It's good. Um, I think it's worth watching. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a really interesting second feature. And as people have said, I think it's interesting because it sets up a tonal ramp um, that leads to do the right thing. Yes. Of this idea okay. of, I tried the art house. This is more broadly comedic. And now I've that middle ground the register is is, is perfectly realized mm. in do the right thing His yes third feature. do the right do thing the right we thing, we, we have we covered on our last episode it was massive blind spot for me and sort of the catalyst for this entire select perspective retrospective of spike lee so i would recommend checking out our recent episode on yes. do the right thing but it's, I'm add it's three it's, things yes, to the conversation the right thing so first of all is this quote here um, about Roger Smith's character, who is here referred to by Spike Lee as Roger Smith, um, Roger Gwemer Smith. Um, so, how did the character of Smiley, the Dostoevskian village idiot, develop? Mm. And here goes Spike Lee. Okay. He's not in the script at all. It came about because Roger Smith, the actor, kept hounding me. So we something that wouldn't seem like just an afterthought. Um. Interviewer. Roger Smith, who plays Smiley, doesn't have cerebral palsy in real life. Yes. Slightly. No, that was an act. We want him to be a different character. Interviewer. Is Smiley a symbol of the black man as handicapped? Spike Lee. I wasn't thinking about that. Okay. Not a great exchange from anybody there. No, that's, that's, not not a great insight into this entire inclusion of this character whatsoever. Like, I feel mm, worse that. for this character. I thought that was going to make me feel a bit... Better, you know, add some sort of justification because no, no, not at all. when we listen not at to all. that, um, if you listen back to that first episode on Do the Right Thing, that is the main caveat of that movie for me is what what is the point of this character? What does it bring? Um, and <laughs> there's no justification in that interview at all. So that is just left me with nothing rough. there. It's yeah, tough. So That's the, really the, tough. The two things to talk about are the things we did not talk about because I was not aware of these things. Okay, yeah. So you've got new um, contacts from your new books. So, yeah. So. Yes, about the Oscars, but what we neglected to talk about was Cannes. Um, mm. Cannes is the real um, controversy here. Oh, God. <laughs> because it almost got the Palme d'Or. Um, and the film that did get the Palme d'Or instead is Sex, Lies and Videotape. Ah, uh, okay. And um, here starts one of Spike Lee's many feuds. Like rants? And, oh, okay. So what's he, <laughs> so what's got, he got again, to say about again, Mr. Soderbergh? No, it's not Soderbergh. He is cool with Soderbergh. Oh, okay. Um, is it Tarantino? <laughs> he is. He is. No. Oh, Tarantino comes up later. Later. It's okay. Vim Vendors. Oh, oh of course. Of. Yeah, you sent me Vim some Vendors. messages about this. Yeah, I'm going to read this page out because it's brilliant. Um, so Vim Vendors, whom, whose films I really, really like. but I've seen a few. Oh, he comes across badly here. Okay. Um, Vim Vendors was, was the head of the um, the committee that yeah, year. So chairing, the committee, yeah, And... He pretty much rejected the right thing, not a fan of it at all, um, and very much said Settle on Videotape. Settle on Videotape is a phenomenal film, mm. whatever, but the reason why he rejected it is wild. So 
here goes Spike Lee. Um, when it comes down to between me and somebody else, they're going to give it to the white boy. At mm-hmm. the party afterwards, there's praise for sex lives and videotape. Now we have the future of cinema. So I guess I'm not in the future. Their future, at least. Mm-hmm. Jim Jarmusch is a really good friend of mine. I love his work. But you know that Vendors gave him that award because that's his protege. Okay. It's a bit of, it gets a bit confusing I mean, there because I'm just like, I, I don't... I, God, I, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, I heard that Vendors said that Mookie wasn't enough of a hero. Okay. I think they saw Spike Lee throwing that trash can through the window. Um, one day, Vendors is going to get off at the wrong stop on the A train. He's supposed to get off of the Ninth Street. He's going to miss the stop. It's going to be express. This is so specific. And get off on 125th Street. And I'll be waiting for his ass. Oh my god. He's going to need wings of desire. And you can say <laughs> that you, <laughs> you can say what you want. Because I don't plan to be in Germany anytime soon. I'm going to turn him into a ghost, dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, the point that he dances around, which he talked about earlier in the interview, is that Vin Vendor said the film wasn't heroic enough, yeah. which is ridiculous. Which is strange that and you have to have this central figure that saves the day in this in the film that is such a statement piece about so much. You can't just have like an easy answer. And Spike Lee goes, "Yeah, what was heroic about sex? the videotape. That guy just watching people have sex the whole time like a creep. Where's <laughs> yeah, the heroism a, there, Vim? Come on, he's a hero for the masses. I'm telling you. Yeah. And so that's that's our second point. Our third point is, I didn't know this was the biggest criticism of do the right thing at the time um i didn't even think of this when watching it and again it tells the context um the biggest criticism direct quote for spike lee where are the drugs drugs is such a massive subject it Mm. can't be dealt with effectively as a subplot you have to do entire film on drugs this film was not about that this film was about racism yeah People kept asking if where this is dr- about community. Where are the trucks? That's a bad. Um, that's a terrible thing to say. Wild. Which um, is and like, someone pushes back an interview because they talk about how you know they did up the neighborhood for for filming, painted mm. things, and they actually so they got members of not the um, Brotherhood of Islam. It was of a a, a, a different group. Mm. Uh, who I shouldn't name of and don't apologies. Um, and got them to kind of like run protection. And also, generally got them to clear out some some heron houses sure. of so and then a lot of people are like well so you're saying so sorry slightly you're telling me that you actually cleared drugs out mm. but doesn't work and he goes yes but i'm not covering every part of things also drugs are huge in the white community yeah, and you don't white, hound every prejudice. film that doesn't that include is, that i'm yeah, not yeah. i'm not doing this so we'll go back to that later 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 because it's a, a it's, fascinating it's, it's thing. mad how how much he has to be on the defense of these films at, the, at these very critical moments in his career yeah, um, but we'll hold that point about drugs, and we'll go back. Oh, yeah, to that because point. there are films about drugs, and because back that's going to come up in in, in, in Jungle several, Fever, several um, yeah, the, the 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 backdrop of an epidemic. But before that, mm. we have Mo Better Blue Jazz. Yes, I did see. I did see this one. Uh, fictional jazz musician Bleak Gilliam Denzel, the first uh, the first Spike Denzel joint. Um, in Brooklyn in the a 80s. Favor, Pardon? Go to Spotify or go to whatever music you use, look up the um, soundtrack to this and listen to the track Mo Better Blues. Mm. Oh, so good. Here's a clip from it. So good. Mm-hmm. 
As everyone knows, uh, my first introduction to Mo Better Blues would have been in The Simpsons, the parody Mo Better Booze from the Springfield Film <laughs> Festival episode where Mo Sizzlack is in a cabaret parody. Um, so I did not put that together for many, many years until finally watching the Spike Lee joint Mo Better Blues. Um, it, it's a jazzy boy. This is this is a, 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 a piece. Iconic for many reasons. One, mm-hmm. this is one of the few films where you will see actual birth. Yeah, not outside Whoa. of Stan Brakhage, <laughs> yes. uh, like experimental shorts where you see anything about <laughs> genuine childbirth. In the weakest part of the movie, which is the kind of like limp, it's such a shame because it has the, that amazing John Coltrane track. You're like, man, the music so, is, is so, so good. good His apartment, but... there's so many good needle drops. Uh, it's got such a, a jazzy ambiance. Uh, some of the central the performances is, are fantastic. It's bad. Yeah. Um, Film's good. Um, this is Calvin's Film favorite. is good. Um, cool, interesting. It's got immaculate vibes. It moves superbly. Mm-hmm. This is where the dolly shot comes from. This is our yeah, first this is the dolly first, shot film. Yes, the start of something very iconic. Yeah. Um, you've got Wesley Snipes in it, mm-hmm. who features a lot in his interviews because Wesley Snipes is in a few of his early movies and then isn't in any for a long time. Yeah. Was there a and falling out, saying, or just just no passing ships in the night? You know, busy on no. some bigger and better things. Just no, white men can't no, jump. No, 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 no. The real reason is um, too expensive. Too expensive. Oh, that makes more. Yeah, that makes. He was a star. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was a he's a big eighties nineties star. Is Mister Snipes? Apparently, he talked on the set of this film or another one that he wanted to be the Black Schwarzenegger, um, and wow. that was what his interest was. He was <laughs> okay. like, "Yeah, I want to do action movies." I mean, um, Demolition Man, baby. <laughs> So Demolition he man. wanted to keep working with Wesley Snipes, and actually he does in Chirac. So in Chirac, oh, okay. you've got Wesley Snipes back, which is funny because it also is a point that Wesley Snipes is not Wesley Snipes in in 2050. Mm. Is that? It's like yeah, that's he's not taken in. Um, but genuinely, he could not get the budget, and he would said he'd talk to Wesley Snipes and be like, "I want to get you in a film," and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, talk to my agent," and he'd be like, "No." No, that was Wesley Snipes' way of saying like, "Yeah, I'm not going to say yes, but I don't want to say no to you." So <laughs> oh, I'm make my sad. agent say no, <laughs> which is which is great. Um, but yeah, all the backstage bands and stuff. The band in this is mm. absolutely brilliant. I love all that stuff it's so much. The, the anti anti French white woman racism stuff. That's uh, interesting. That's, so that's uh, not the the critiqued part of this film. This film is famous because this is there is a part of this film which was hugely critiqued and mm. has hounded him, and that is anti-Semitism. Ah, uh, um, okay, from the Tataros. The, yeah, the, the, the Jewish coded mm. and Jewish performed, um, money-grabbing... Managerial um, agent Managerial, yeah. and we have a very um, combative relationship with Jewish stereotypes that pervades his films and... Talk to Evan about this downstairs. It's really interesting because every time this is brought up, Spike Lee makes an excellent point, which is true, mm-hmm. but doesn't admonish him of it. No, it's not. The point it... he makes is always that look at Oliver Stone movies, look at Tarantino movies, look at Scorsese movies. They are full of stereotypes, often of black people. Okay. Yet they do not get raked over the coals for every element in their films being symbolic they don't get the treatment that I do. And that is very, very true. Mm-hmm. Um, there is horrendous stuff in those films which are all treated with a lens of this is fiction and you are fictionalising this. And I would agree with most of the things there. I've been like, so, Tarantino aside, who you know I have mm-hmm. thoughts on, with, yeah. but most of Scorsese's stuff is like, he is, Taxi Driver is not in praise of these things. Um, 
but people are not going out and criticizing Taxi Driver for being that stuff. No. Whereas Spike Lee, when he does it, they, they come for him. Now, I would say that these directors deserve more comment of how they use iconography. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spike Lee does get unfairly targeted, but it's more that everyone else should be yeah. spoken in this way. And it is not really within our zone to to talk about the, the anti-Semitism in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say read a whole bunch of stuff that speaks about <laughs> it and, and make your mind up, really. Mm. Um, one thing I will say, perhaps controversially, if I was Spike Lee, the film director, who would be repeatedly accused of anti-Semitism, I would not direct and produce a play in 2018 about two black men doing a waiting for God a riff and call it Passover. Would not do that. Is, is that that happened? Oh my God. Personally, would not do that. Mm, um, he's really doubling down on that, huh? Anything about Passover, no. Um, mm. it's, it's more like passing over to the other side. Yeah. Which uses like a symbolic liminal space. But I'm like, it's like, um, that mean, don't. Words, words mean things. You know, words Passover refers to a thing. And Can't... one of the characters in that film is called Moses. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah. We're, we're so playing is, with some is, stuff there. It is talking about biblical stuff as well, but it's also just like, maybe maybe, maybe don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Mo Better is good. Um, I didn't Mo like Better it is good. It. Great vibes. Interesting dynamic. Again, feels like a couple of movies in one. Um, I feel like some yeah. of the narrative threads, like Spike Lee's character and the, the gambling stuff is, is very much just sort of like a, 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 a beeline that's going to act as dramatic tension for you know the wider stuff at play here. I think the central relationship and dynamics between uh, Denzel and his, his his ladies in here in his uh, his club yeah, it's, his it's... club culture, all the performances, all, all the actual like musical performances are fantastic. I think Denzel's such a fun leading man in this way. Oh, he's brilliant. Um, uh, immaculate vibes, great poster, really cool poster. Um, and him putting practice as a plot point mm. and was spoken about a lot of being really really cool of like this is this is working job musicians and obviously yep. he is he is very much inspired by his dad yes Bill, um, and speaking of films very much inspired by his dad jungle fever jungle fever doodle loop flipper an african-american man is successful in his career as an architect but he faces racism and discrimination in his personal life angie a white italian american woman is also struggling to find her place in a world that is often hostile to her and her relationship with flipper so cue a lot of complaints about the representation of italian american people in this movie um a lot of that. We'll talk about that again and again and again a few times. <laughs> there is a film that one interview, so Summer of Sam, just an, an interviewer said the patently anti-Italian-American Summer of Sam, just like bam like that. Wow, so straight up, straight up there. Again no, again. Not, not dancing just, around that, huh? Just straight up. Um, Jungle Fever is really, really interesting. It's very um, interesting. Again, feels like a couple of movies in one. I feel like he's trying to, he's trying yeah. to say a lot um it, it's a drug movie it's reactive in that it's way it's a um, uh interracial relations movie and the the hypocrisy and the uh, sort of prejudice around that um and, and this th- is a big spikely hates white people film this is one mm. that got got that a lot of the time okay this for me presages black Klansman quite nicely because what black Klansman does brilliantly if it shows there is a difference a very profound difference between shouting white power and shouting black power, though it seems semantically mm-hmm. or literally um, very, very similar. Um, and this film goes, yes, there is a prejudice in the white community about being relationship with black people, and there's a prejudice in the black community about being relationship with white people, but it is not the same mm-hmm. of the, the white hatred is different to 
the the black the dare reserva- I say hatred reservation comes... or, yeah and spike lee is is very famous for throughout his career um saying a thing that is seen as being very very modern because uh, he was he's being a racist and he kept saying that this cannot be racism because racism is based on power okay. um therefore i can be being racist to white people and this one is very much articulating that of there is racism and there's prejudice hmm. and yes the black community are prejudiced in this way but they're not being racist it is not operating in the in the vernacular um, and for the power system of racism this is about how there is an issue here and one is from a horrible point of hatred hmm. and the other is inspired by that hatred to be a, a counter reaction to that that stuff is great mm-hmm. really really good then there's another film there um, is another film there's the sam jackson film there's the brother the brother of which would be a brilliant film which would, which could do which does have enough narrative weight and you know d- dynamism to be its own yeah. sustained story and i feel using it initially as a backdrop and then sort of yeah. as the climax of the film uh works against the film as a whole i agree. It, it, it is it is genuinely really engaging stuff sam jackson fantastic performance he's, he's really really good performances I've, I've, i did say to you like it's absolutely astonishing and i am because of familial history mm-hmm. um i am very very uncomfortable about performances of of drug addiction specifically mm-hmm. heroin addiction sure. um and how it impacts families and i thought this was incredibly moving mm-hmm. and incredibly well done mm-hmm. and it goes to a point of melodramatic that seems beautifully handled and it goes back to that quote doesn't it of him saying that that um you have to do an entire film on drugs. Hmm. They can't be affected as a subplot. Yeah, this is a subplot, though. It's it's mad, yeah, as this sort of crack, co- uh, crack cocaine a- epidemic uh, of the late mm. 80s, early 90s, which did have, like, such a chokehold on uh, black America at the time. It was such an epidemic. So having it as the backdrop when it's so relevant is, is, is wild to me, but then it, it goes back to yeah, maybe Spike's not going to get another film to make. I'm going to say all, all yeah. of it under one roof, so it comes back down to that. Um, and there's a better film here about mm. drugs because yes you are you are right to an extent about the epidemic but um the film about drugs would also talk about the the crack cocaine and cocaine dichotomy that mm-hmm. was that was the crack cocaine was made to be more illegal and seemed to be more dangerous well, that's because the thing. black people used yeah. it cocaine um, is, the, is the, the expensive high class white people yeah. drug crack cocaine is the cheap dirty low grade black people drug that was the general 80s like viewpoint on things and Spike Lee could have made a great movie about that. Um, mm. He did not. I think Jungle Fever would have been an absolutely brilliant uh, Melvin Van Peebles style, mm. like amazing cutting racial satire. And then it's got something a bit more hard-boiled in it that just doesn't fit there. Mm. It's a damn shame um, because both films here are excellent. Yes. And together they make a merely a, a, a good, a good movie. movie. Yeah, I completely agree with that. At this point in interviews, he talks about how he wants to do a David Lean scope epic okay. about Malcolm X. I would love to see that movie because I think that might be my favourite Spike Lee movie so far. Oh, fantastic. This movie um, rocked my world. I'm so glad. I utterly adore this movie. Of course mm-hmm. I do. Um, yeah. yeah. Malcolm X is brilliant. What were your expectations about Malcolm X? Why, why hadn't you watched it before? Is it because it's uh, over three hours long? Three, a three-hour biopic. biopic epic. And I'm like, yeah, it's just going to be by the numbers. It's just going to be very stale, very stagnant. But then you remember that it's Spike Lee behind the project and he can bring so much flair and 
energy to what is essentially the the Sparknotes speedrun of a man's life, a very important <sighs> life, but it, it's truncated to three hours, but it moves so quickly. He packs so much into this movie, but it's yeah. not like it's all just content and dialogue and story beats it is so much about the craft and the way he presents everything on screen and he the way he presents uh the, the nation of islam's separatist ideologies um yeah. the black power movement uh, michael M- malcolm x as this this figurehead and the conspiracies around him it makes for a great sort of tense thriller towards the end yeah oh really really powerful film and denzel at the heart of it is just one of the best performances in film ever. Uh, um, Academy Award winning Denzel Washington for this role because it is just well, phenomenal. Well, did, did not win for this role. Did not win for this role. Oh, do you not? Um, he won for Training Day. Oh, why did I... Uh, I he was nominated. Had... Did not Did not win. Oh, he, 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 he was for nominated this. for this, was he? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, maybe what, I got one, my notes one, wrong. One of two Sorry. nominations, mm-hmm. I think, was that and cinematography for this. Oh, yeah, um, not a nominee for Best Actor. Sorry. But yeah, um, fantastic. My, my, one of my favourite Denzel's should... performances. The way he... He, he is like he morphs into Malcolm X through the costuming and just the general design of the film is is, is fantastic but it never feels like one of those Eddie Redmayne style studied imitations it feels like I'm a living breathing artistic Embody- embodiment of... that happens to be Malcolm X yeah um, it's, it's wonderful it's just he's just so good so um, charismatic just as an actor. He, he's so powerful and the the transition from uh, who he was before prison to who he becomes after prison that whole like switch that he goes through is just fantastic and it's the such... scorsese crime movie this film starts yeah on. you you messaged uh, me like the first brilliant. the first act of this is just spike lee's goodfellas and like yeah the, oh uh, and Stephen and i've been sending gifts back and forth of uh denzel <laughs> and spike in the opening sequence of uh, oh, of yeah. uh, malcolm x in zoot suits swaggering down the street and it is just so good and like all the dance sequences at the beginning, it's like, yeah, he Spike Lee could have done like a massive Babylonian epic of dance and yeah. swing music and all this, and then it yeah, it just moves into uh, the complexities of Malcolm X's ideologies and how he presents oh the Nation of Islam. Um, but yeah, so, I, it absolutely flew. But it's like three hours and twenty or something ridiculous. I, I I threw it on like relatively late at night, and I just it just absolutely moves. It's so good. So, this was not the only big biopic he wanted to okay, make. Okay, so um, who, else, who, who else did he want to... Now, I don't know anything about baseball, so I may be getting the person's oh, okay. name wrong, but I believe Jackie Robinson. Yeah, okay. Um, I think so one, one of the first black professional baseball... Yes, legendary black baseball player and civil rights um, activist, figure yeah. of a film he was trying to make for a long time, and... The lot, the interviews for his like last five films in that book are all like, so is that movie happening yet? Is it movie happening mm. yet? So he had the script and wanted to make it, of uh, could not get the money. Um, okay, he was asking for about fifty million for it. Wow. So Malcolm X went over budget, and he was accused of asking for less, knowing they would get caught into an amount, and knowing they could not make that amount. And he was accused of doing that right. by the studio of, um, and he denies that. He said, "No, I said up front that it." can be made for this much they offered me underneath that and i said it's going to cost this much um interestingly um the film almost didn't come out at the end um because they ran out of money um and he got in friends to not lend money but give gifts um oh wow including just people like oprah winfrey amazing um, to get this to get this just cross the finish line to get this done gave money and that money um showed 
a willingness and actually got because because it's about borrowed money from studios and mm. I think the bonds people were like mm, we don't really know about this she was like well we're not doing it and then they saw this influx of cash like okay fine go to the finish line um so that's really cool and it got made brilliant and it looks it looks great a modern controversy okay um this is interesting um you've seen a bunch of criterion closet videos i'm sure mm-hmm. um of course, yeah. and like me you probably enjoy them yeah, um, I haven't seen them for a while, a... but it's a fun way of you know being exposed to different films in the Criterion catalogue and hearing your favourite filmmakers and actors yeah. talk about things they like. Yeah, sure. It's a condensed format, though. Um, yeah, sure. Edited down. It's like eight minutes, and, and it's just, yeah. Mm, you can't give really enriching takes on films. No, it is very much and... blur, blur breeds. It's just sort of spark notes. Yeah. Okay, where's this going? The Daniels got in a little bit of hot water. Oh, God. Of the Daniels of the Daniels fame. Um, because they picked Malcolm X. Okay. And one of them, I forget which, referred to it as a crime movie. Um, oh, I think I vaguely remember seeing something yeah. like this on Twitter, actually. Yeah. Which obviously the internet piled upon them. And because, yeah, the sort of the, the semantics around using the word crime <laughs> yes. in, a, in a film Malcolm about X, Malcolm the X. The person is... who was assassinated by the state mm-hmm. um, through the Nation of Islam. But you know, a CIA facilitated which is a crime. You know, murder is a crime. So technically, <laughs> murder is a crime. So calling it a crime movie of someone who was labelled a criminal, mm. um, I get, I understand that. But also, people want to hate on the Daniels. This or an excuse. Yeah, a popular um, thing. They won the awards, so now Twitter hates them. Yeah. Whatever. Just yeah. the thing is, they're not wrong. It's just that takes it, up one new. It's a historical of, drama. There's crime in it. Let's, you, it's a historical it's, drama that is created like a crime movie. There are parts of this film. Uh, the first third of the film is built it's, yeah. like a crime movie. Yeah, and absolutely. The last twenty minutes it's good are like a crime movie. Absolutely. Uh, That's like the end of like a, a, mob, a mobster epic. It's like the end of a Godfather yeah. or something. You know something's going to go down. It's just waiting. It's the tension building of that. But sure. And that is why it's brilliant. It's because mm. it has that DNA in it. But mm-hmm. you can't sit in the closet. Um, the film was a long time coming. He wants to make it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And this is. This is him working with a script from other people, so that's that's new here. Okay. Um, though he wrote he rewrote the script um, entirely. Wow. Um, we have Girl Six later, which is not his script at all. But apart from that, he rewrites scripts. Um, a bunch of people. There was a David Mamet script mm. at a point, um, which Sidney Lamette was attached wow. to. Wow. Um, there was an Arnold Pearl script. I think um, Arnold Pearl ended up working on this. Who he, is I think he the one it. who's co-credited? Yes. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charles Fuller had a couple of graphs. Um, Colder Willingham, David Bradley. Now, Arnold Pearl is credited. Someone else also wrote the script, and it's not credited because okay. their estate requested their name be taken oh, off. Oh, I think I read this, but I've forgotten it now. Go on. Who is it? Mm. Um, James Baldwin. That was it, yeah. James yeah, yeah, Baldwin yeah. and Arnold Pearl wrote the draft that Spike Lee rewrote, Which, and yeah. he loved their script. He just felt there wasn't a proper third act that showed the the separation from yeah, Ma- um, Malcolm's Islam. ideologies, and yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and he also felt that he had access to updated records that reframed the ending of the film which is true mm-hmm. so they yeah had, there's and, more and, contemporary knowledge about you know what actually went down what actually transpired yeah. in those events and in the credits he names in the credits the five assassins um which was seen as a bold thing at the time mm. and now seems like well yeah well, um, yeah but is, is a really cool thing to do mm. um two firsts here one is a, a him first one is a world premiere his first pg-13 film is it? I, I didn't even I didn't even clock that at all, but um, that's wild to me. Yeah, he saw the film as a 
primer mm-hmm. and he wanted this to be seen by younger viewers to be an intro Which and he sense, wanted it yeah. so that schools could show it yes uh, I mean I'm surprised I, I wish I'd seen this at school and I think some of yeah. our American counterparts have been shown this in recent years in like high school education these days which is fantastic because good god this yeah. is this is a, a, a monumental piece of history film. that is covered cinematically five beautiful. lessons mm-hmm. so yeah it's like five, that's a week that's, of that's school that's the like, last good. week of school it's just incredible. like watching yeah. Malcolm X in like 45 minute chunks I'd do it's that it's so good it's so fun it's, it's really so, good it's, it's brilliant I, I wrote a long piece about it read there for, mm. for my wider thoughts on it um, the other first is this is the first film um, to be allowed something um, first ever history permitted to film in Mecca ah that makes sense yeah because that stuff is is, is like transcendental like that is that whole sequence feels otherly like which makes sense because i don't think i've really seen like detailed yeah. well shot footage of mecca in uh, in a piece of cinema before it was difficult um he got two second unit islamic crews mm. to do that um, okay, yeah. because yeah sure you have to be muslim um to to go to mecca yeah um and to have that access um and it's very telling of the reverence shown the so Farrakhan, um, who was at the time of the film came out, um, leader of the, the Nation of Islam, um, has some connections to Spike Lee. And Spike mm-hmm. Lee said that I'm making this film. And Farrakhan was like, okay, um, mm-hmm. I respect you as an artist. Do what you want, but please be respectful. Yeah, um, sure. And it's implied that Farrakhan is not hugely happy with the film, mm-hmm. but also still the thing of being like, yes, but Spike Lee's a creative. He can do what he wants. Um I don't like how he represented um, certain characters, um, Elijah Muhammad specifically, who mm-hmm. appears as a forced ghost. <laughs> forced ghost. <laughs> Literally, as <laughs> Qui Gon Jinn in Malcolm X. Because I think, hilarious. oh man, yeah. Again, I was watching it and like updating Stephen as I was going, and I just got to the forced ghost sequence, and yeah, yeah. beautiful stuff. Just. Again, this is just the stuff I did not expect to see in a biopic like Malcolm X. Granted, I was not familiar with Spike Lee's style and his approach to filmmaking, but you hear biopic about prominent black activists in, you know, in in this massive biopic form, and I think it's going to be dry as as wallpaper, as some biopics are. Um, But this is just maybe the best. best. This and like Edward that tap into. Uh, the psyche of the of of the central figure and make the film around that. I think I work so beautifully. Well made. The uh, it's just epic. Change is going to come. It is such a David Lean epic scope film. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The use of music at the end. The change is going to come. Scene is just mm-hmm. ab- absolutely incredible. Um, utterly iconic. Um, Delroy Lindo has his Spike Lee debut here and is in the the next two movies after this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really he's good. Really in this good. One. Um, really really good. Which will guide us through. But a final quote um, from Spike Lee. Scent of a woman and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hold up to Malcolm X 20, 30 years down the line. And 30 years down the line, yeah, 100%. Sure. Um, yeah. Unforgiven one that year. Unforgiven has held up. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Scent of a woman, mm-hmm. he notes because that's what won the best actor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Pacino, that Pacino and yeah, who are. I've not seen that movie. Not seen that. Yet. So, yeah, the lasting impression is, well, I've seen Malcolm X and I've not yeah. seen Unforgiven, so sorry, Clint Eastwood, and sorry, Al Pacino, but... I have seen Unforgiven, it's absolutely incredible. I would but, love um... to see it. I, yeah, it's, I've got the yeah. DVD on the shelf, ready to go one day when I'm in my Western era. So, 
Um, we then get to Cricklin. Cricklin, um, which is a, a nice sort of... Uh, like, awesome movie. It is a... Well, after after Malcolm X, it's nice to come back down, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say here, to a... Uh, 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 a... a uh, a porch a porch step sort of drama about this this family in 70s brooklyn yeah. uh, it's nice it's nice it is it's a it's almost like a, a whimsical childish sort of throw i think it's like semi-autobiographical as well i believe i read well, you are in- incredibly correct so yeah. spike lee's brother and sister um, yes wrote a screenplay that they then brought to spike lee mm. and said do you know someone that could make this? And <laughs> of course said, I know him. He's me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say exactly that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will make it. Um, and then rewrote the script, obviously, because it's quite um, But they they are all credited on it. So mm-hmm. it is very much... Um, oh, actually, I, I teased something earlier about, about Jungle Fever, which I forgot to bring up, because um, I said that Jungle Fever is also inspired by his father. Yeah. Um, Jungle Fever is inspired by his father, Um controversially so um mm. linked to crooklyn so crooklyn is very autobiographical okay um so you've got this this musician figure in it who who wants to make music themselves those bits are, are, are really stunning and really powerful mm-hmm. i love i love the, the linda daryl linda stuff there um you've got the mother who's who's brilliant who dies um mm. at a, a relatively young age that happened to spiley's mother died in the same way in 1977 uh, right, um she was a high school teacher same in crooklyn um and then Spike dad, Bill Lee, remarried and married a white woman. Ah, um, okay. And that is... Interesting. That's the fuel... When asked about Jungle Fever, um, he said that a lot, being like, yeah, um, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Spike Lee very famously does not... Get on get with on her. With yeah. Her. That but makes But does clarify more... not because she is white. Um, for other things, but still, that feels very much like ingrained in the, the DNA of Jungle Fever. You can feel sort yeah. of that energy and that dynamic. That's all we will say about that because uh-huh, that is sure. that's, territory. That's territory that we, <laughs> we are not going to cover. That's the we are not... our gossip corner. Gossip corner, just briefly <laughs> yeah. briefly on that. Um, uh, but yeah, Crooklyn is awesome. Crooklyn's it feels nice. so it is warm, stylish, so warm and nostalgic. Brilliant. Um, there's a Perfect sense of music. Uh, nice mel- melancholia to it. Um, looks beautiful. Really fun. Twenty minutes, which uh, are really sen- sincere um, child performances. Um, just very lived-in family dynamics. Just you, you completely buy this this little semblance yep. here. Um, yeah, really nice. I, this, I think this might 20 have been minutes of the film are unwatchable. <laughs> so, so yeah, that whole anamorphic. 20 minutes <laughs> is the most Soderberghian just like it's strange it's, it I get it minutes. it's this sense of alienation cool, and like the it. other I don't think it fully works no because you think your copy is broken you you're like it's... why is my film looking bad um, it's it's an artistic choice I don't know whether it fully gels with the entire work as a Love whole but it. it's hey it, I like it when does, the directors make decisions that make me go oh my, my DVD is broken <laughs> <laughs> why, why is this? Why is why is my media player showing this in the wrong way? Yeah, <laughs> should I quit and reload this? Like, no, it's the movie. Um, um, yeah, Crooklyn. So yeah, we've got Crooklyn, and then we've got the sequels: um, Cranhattan, um, uh, Cray uh, uh, Island. Um, <laughs> so many good things. Yeah, um, yeah, Crooklyn, Crooklyn, Crooklyn is, is, is awesome. Good. I think that might have and been then, my first spike. Actually, you know. Um, oh, awesome! That's so I, cool. I can't remember why, but um, uh, yeah. Uh, clockers Mine probably would have been Black Klansman. Um, uh, probably. Maybe, maybe, maybe mine was maybe, maybe mine was Black Klansman actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Clockers. Clockers. Clockers, based on a book. Yes. Um, originally, um, was going to be directed and written by somebody else. Um, okay. Because the, the book is actually from the po- point of view of Kaitel's character. It is a yeah, cop book. Okay. It is a hard-boiled cop book. And one Martin Scorsese I've heard of him. was attached for a long time um, with De Niro in the lead. And then he didn't because he made Casino instead. Cool. Very cool. Um, which I think is an okay movie. I'm I love not, it. I think it's okay. But I also think The Clockers is an okay movie. I think so. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's trying to do a lot in here, but I don't think it all quite no, shells. Like the the non Lilia storytelling, I I admire and like the flashback stuff, but I just don't feel it's very cohesive, especially when we're dealing with all this police brutality and like racial profiling in this movie, which is obviously uh, it, Spike Lee's obviously going to get that in somehow. But the um, uh, yeah, it, it, very interesting movie, if not a one of the quintessential Spike Lee films. In that there is loads of in here that is really really good. Mm-hmm. All the actors are brilliant, and it just doesn't really fit together. No, doesn't quite work. I think the reframing is the right choice for him as a creative. But then the story feels weirdly unbalanced yeah. because the character with with isn't really narratively propelled it, it, enough. It, it all feels mm. a bit under under motivated. Um, um, yeah, just um, it's going sort of like this lackadaisical pace when it feels it needs to be a bit more urgent with its uh, its progression for the story here. Um, Kaitel feels like a distraction, though he's very very good. I, this should Ka- be I mean, Kaitel feels Bill like Lindo show. Yes, absolutely. Which is surprising is, that I mean throughout perfect, throughout all well. of. Or most of Spike Lee's films, like there are white characters, but they are mainly on the sidelines. They are used yeah. th- for narrative propulsion in that regard. So they're very rarely central figureheads, other than Twenty um, Fifth Hour, as well. Yes. Um, so it's an interesting choice to have them have have the focus mainly sort of shift to Kaitel's perspective in in many regards in this film. But um, yeah. Which is the legacy of the book of it being him being yeah, the protagonist. Yeah, which makes so there's sense. a lot of that. He's coming, but it just it, it feels unbalanced. Um, there's a great quote that I got from Daryl Lindo, mm. um, who interviewed Spike Lee about this movie um, and about all the movies they're in together. Um, Daryl Lindo, interestingly, sees his work on Crooklyn as bad. Um, he feels he didn't really. I, I think he's I really think good. I, I think, think he's, a, he's fantastic brilliant. in that. Um, yeah, um, but um, I'm going to quote Spike Lee exactly for how he describes this. No, these are not my words. Spike Lee's words. So Daryl Lindo says that you wanted to put the nail in the coffin of this kind of movie. And then Spike Lee refers to this kind of movie as ghetto shoot 'em ups. Mm. His idea was to make the the hard boiled gritty one that means they don't do this anymore. What I was reminded of, and forgive me if this comes across as being mm. dismissive, um, the second um, Kendrick album has that featured track with um, so Compton, which has has Dre on it. Dre on it, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly. The reason he got Dre on that is because Dre listened to the first album um, and said, a lot of people write about this stuff, mm. but they don't write about it with the legitimacy, reality, and tragedy that you okay. do, and therefore yeah. I'm happy to be on this. And it feels like that to me of like Section 80 and and, and Clockers already feel similar being like, I'm going to take this culture that's presented usually in a way mm-hmm. very glorifying, and, and I'm going to show the... my reality of mm. it. I just don't think Spike Lee is in touch as he thinks he is. But I, I yeah. you know, I admire the effort. 
And I, I, I like that he tried to end a, a genre movement. I like how he tried to put a full stop of this, the string of like hood ghetto movies, as he's calling them. Um, Should I get crunchy though? Should I get crunchy? I would love to get crunchy. Go on, give me the crunch. Crunchy of film talk. Um, How do you think of the look of this movie? Don't like it. I don't really like. Interesting. I don't like. It. Who was the? Um... I'm gonna tell you why you don't like okay, it. Okay, tell it me a... why. Is it, is it? Is it? Which? Who's the? Who's the cinematographer on this one? Is this? This cinematographer got a massive promotion. Um, this is Malik Hassan um, Saeed. Saeed yeah. Um, he was quote unquote an electric end quote on Malcolm X. So he was in the electrical department. Oh, okay, cool. Um, showed promise Malcolm X and was bam promoted to that's because um, Dickerson is off doing his own stuff. <laughs> To be yeah, like a sparky, to be um, yeah, okay, interesting. I think it's a really interesting cinematographer. I I kind of agree with you. I I, I like the look of this film, but I, I understand dis- mm. disliking it. The look of this film is, is purposeful. And okay, yeah, there's this a... is as much Saeed's film as it is. And when Daryl Lynch talks about it, he talks about this is this is Saeed's look. Mm. Um, okay, reasons why I really really cool. It's about film stock. He oh did some yeah, you're getting you're getting into nerd stuff, stuff now. Let's go. Um, I had to learn a bunch of stuff, stuff here. Jack made stuff already, but I did not. Um, and this comes back again on, on Summer of Sam. Okay. Um, so this does a process called cross-processing um, okay. to get the look. Now, this goes to a bunch of things. So if you don't want crunchy cinematography talk... Skip ahead. Check forward a little Skip bit. Ahead. Skip ahead. You know. But I, I find this stuff great. This film is shot on a thing called slide film. Okay. Um, called slide film because if you're using slides but a slide projector like that um, what you know about slide projectors is you are not putting a negative in a slide projector you're putting no. a full color print into it mm-hmm. um, so slide film or color reversal film um, it doesn't require a negative to be made mm. um, so it gives you these vibrant colors and it doesn't need to be processed it's really expensive okay the colors are so specific they can look unreal hyper real right that might be it um and it is it is hard to use. So to get even more nerdy, um, <laughs> it only has one point five stops of latitude, um, <laughs> which means it's really easy to under or overexpose it. Uh, okay. um, so it's so really, it's a really, really tough, hard to a shoot. Tough with. margin. Yeah, there's a lot, lot of room for error. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's 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 stuff, a very way precise, more expensive. A very precise um, medium to shoot on. But what you can do with it is you can cross-process it. So, yes, you don't... It doesn't make a negative. So, usually, you would you would film, you'd have a negative, and then you process the negative. But, imagine if you, like Mark Jenkin, who likes to do wild stuff with film, imagine if you did process it. Mm. So that's cross-processing. You take this fully... color reversal, mm-hmm. you take reversal film, reversal stock, and you put it in the chemicals you'd use for normal yeah, film, and the result comes and you out. Get like wild, strange colors, yeah. and that's what they did here. Okay. That's why it looks so, so weird. Okay, that makes sense. That makes so much more sense than just I. I just thought the the DP was having an off day throughout this whole thing, but. I mean, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting film to sort of experiment with the lo- the visual look of of things here. Um, I I don't know if it quite works for me, but hey, admirable effort. They were going for gritty TV news kind of thing. This is like okay. very much a pre-homicide, very much pre-the wire of mm. we are going to make this look just rough, really. It's, it's called it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, it's it, yeah. a gritty sort of procedural look. Yeah, pre, as you said, pre-wire, pre-prestige HBO crime television. I, yeah, I it's get a that. Comedy. I'm just so I, used I, I, to I like the the look of those other uh, other Spike Lee films. I either have this 
there's this bright spark to them or just like a deep density to them which i really really enjoy yeah. um post clock so the next thing he did was the... he did one of the sections on the lumiere and company mm-hmm. um which is a film worth watching because mm-hmm. it's about constraints about a bunch of i mean a bunch of dudes yeah, um, yeah, yeah. pretty much all dudes is it like f- um, 52 seconds or something there um so yeah they give him 52 seconds they're given the cinematograph um, Liv Ullman is our female director. She gets to she gets to be in there. Oh, her, nice. her thing is great. Um, and yeah, so they've got the cinematograph. They can only have three takes. Um, so it's the restrictions. And Spike Lee films his child. <laughs> sure. Spike Lee films a baby. The baby doesn't react. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> and Spike Lee forgot about the deadline <laughs> until the night before. Like, and he had to pick up, pick up a camera and shoot something. <laughs> Completely flanked the assignment. I have seen, I've seen this bad. many, many years ago. I think I saw this at university. Um, it, it's a very much a you'd watch university kind uh, of film. Very much. Uh, like, here's a bunch of filmmakers you know the names of. You want to see David Lynch and Spike Lee and oh, John, John Borman. And oh, there's yeah. so many people in this. Again, I, I didn't feel the need Kira to rewatch. Kira just films eggs. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that very much. Yeah, um, yeah it's a cool thing. You can probably find that floating around online somewhere. Yeah, um, it's, believe me, it's, you very much can. <laughs> it's a nice piece of uh, filmic history revival. Uh, yeah, it's a nice, it little, nice little present. Project. the international films at the time. Is it everyone that mattered back then? No, no it's no, everyone that the it, popular it, yeah. consciousness thought mattered. Sure. Um, it's really cool. Girl Six. Yeah, talk to me about this movie. I do, I, I do not I do not know this one. It was good. Maybe nine. Sorry. Um, Girl Six is good. Um, it's a classic. What if I made 12 films in one? But this is <laughs> comes out of the 10-year anniversary if she's going to have it. Okay. Um, Spike Lee is married at this point. Um, congrats. And yeah, congrats to him. And he says he is making a purposeful return to the female perspective 10 years on from she's going to have it. Interesting. Um, I mean... That is the idea. Uh, and this is him responding to the criticism. The criticism he's of very upfront yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. So he's quite, again, spiky about when spoken about the Italian American community mm-hmm. and the Jewish community. He is very just like blah blah back in the face about women. He he does admit he's like yes, I've not always been great at writing women. Um, I you know it's hard for him to do. Yeah. Um, he feels he did not nail it. He's got to have it. And this is his attempt at doing that better. So this is not his script. Um, Girl Six opens with Quentin Tarantino. Oh God! Um, interesting. So, what is what is Tarantino's role here? Is he a, a, a smelly film director, or is he a, yes, a pompous he video store? Oh, is he actually just like a director? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He plays a film director who is never not referred to as Tarantino. Um, this is the best part of the film by oh. far. Um, this is before they're falling out, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about later because yeah. that comes from bamboozled. Um, um, there's a there's a great bit in one of the interviews where. Um, Someone asks if the dolly shot is his iconic shot, and he's like, "What?" And this is quite early. And he's like, "What do you mean iconic shot?" He goes, "You know, like Tarantino." And this is '97. He goes, "Tarantino's made two movies. How does he have an iconic yeah, the, shot?" The, the, the trunk shot, sure. Yeah, <laughs> they've seen into the future and been like, "Oh, he uses it in every yeah, one of his it, movies." It does become it's that. It's famous. It's great. It's like, dude's made two films. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so Tarantino, pre falling out, mm. is is in this film, and he plays a director in a casting scene where he asks the, the black woman to take their clothes off mm-hmm. um, for the thing. I'll say it's it's damn good casting. Um, <laughs> yeah, of sure, of, of sleazy, weird-looking I mean, white perfectly. dude. <laughs> as a, as yeah, it works perfectly. And this idea of the exploitative power dynamics, of mm-hmm. the using of racial iconography, the usage of black bodies, um, it's really good. And this film is at its best at this point. Mm-hmm. And 
it's a cool movie because it takes the idea of I am being objectified and being true humanity by the film industry. So what she does is she starts working in phone sex. Okay. It's this idea of I will have my own in sex work because then at least I have the ownership of how I am used as a sex object. It's a really cool premise. It's a really mm-hmm. cool idea. It's not his script, but dare I say, Spike Lee is not the best person to, to help write, a movie to write about. this it's, sort of thing. Yeah. This isn't Working Girls, is its problem. Watch Working Girls. Okay. Um, Girl 6 is a little bit confused. Um, it's a lot of movie in one movie. Um, it ain't great. Spike Lee plays a neighbour. Um, he says some homophobic stuff. He oh, got a lot of God for damn that. it, Spike. Um, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Just, this is a totally fine film. Um, worth watching for cool bits. Mm-hmm. I think that bit at the beginning is brilliant. I think as a film overall, it's fine, whatever. Cool. Read my words on it. It is absolutely fine. Cool. Now I want to talk about your new new favourite. Something you've unearthed. You've uh, you watched this for the first time, didn't you? You I you, love this you went on a bus. Um, you you got, on the, got on the bus. She's got to get on the, the bus. bus. Get on the bus from 1996. Talk to me about Get on the Bus, if you will. It's an absolutely amazing movie. Okay. Um, this movie did terribly mm. um, i was gonna say i've never even heard of it before and i, I it did I've so badly mm. and spike lee gets combative here and and we'll talk about this because he he puts the blame not on himself of course not <laughs> he puts the blame on black audiences um wow. basically saying um it's a really interesting point he'd been like why didn't you support me um mm. is his point here of so Get on the Bus is a film about the Million Man March, which if you are older than Jack and I, you may know more about than we do. Um, so this is the anniversary of a Martin Luther King march. Um, so Farrakhan, who we mentioned earlier, um, has this Million Man March in Washington, the capital. So black people, black men specifically, because the Nation of Islam, the, mm. and the film deals with that very nicely, okay. actually. Um, talks about misogyny. Um, it's all so good. It's not, it, it is co-written um, it might even be entirely not written by Spike Lee. It's not. I, I just checked yeah. the um the woman's. Uh, oh no 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 sorry not woman's. I'm thinking of the wrong film. This is Reggie Rock, Bythewood. Uh, apologies. It's a, it's a really good script. Um, so it is people get on a bus to go to the rally. Um, spoilers. They don't go to the rally. You don't see the rally. Okay. Um, and as Spike Lee said, it wasn't filmically feasible. They could not. Get a, mil- a million, million extras, like, please. They, they be. And yes, was there many people like you know? It's it's, it's branding. Um, but he made a brilliant point. He said that um, it had already been captured on TV. Um, you can see that the march. actual mi- it was million. televised. What you can't see is the people involved in their stories. Mm, it's the a film. Oh, so it is just solely about the journey too on the bus. Yeah, yeah it's entirely that. Love that. And it is a bunch of people representing in a school days style fashion of different figures that make up the black community okay there is um a gay couple they start as a couple that's part of it there Mm. is a um preacher there is a ex-gangbanger maybe current gangbanger there is a cop um at one point, they pick up a white dude that drives it for a bit. Um, that bit gets really interesting because they... Oh, it's some great... It, that, it's uh, so good. Yeah. It's so good. Um, at one point, they pick up a, a guy from a car dealership who comes with them, who it turns out he is a Republican oh, wow. um, anti-affirmative action. I've made a car dealership. I'm a success. Okay. You guys are... It is so good at dealing with the complexities and the specificities 
of a community that's homogenized it has the right conversations in the right way i think it's an absolutely wonderful film so engrossing it is filmed in this way of it is like a fake documentary because one of the characters is, is filming the marks and we cut to his ah, footage, right, footage okay. is, is super 16 um and actually the whole most of the film is shot super 16 because spike lee as you may or may not know likes to run two cameras at all okay. points um because he likes he thinks that actors give their best dialogue performances often off screen and therefore he can have more spontaneity of like the camera's constantly running let's go let's go let's go mm. um so because it's on a moving bus most of the movie he had to use super 16 because the 35 mil cameras were too damn big to have two cameras on a bus but he uses a different film stock for outside the bus which is really really cool and ah robbie reed is the casting person i mentioned earlier i did i read was correct so robbie reed um amazing casting but it, it lost money um and he says the black audience did not come out to, to see it yet they did go out and see a bunch of films that are more kind of like action-packed and in like to paraphrase him if you want to watch a bunch of black people get shot they'll go watch that um but his sincere film i think mean, it's a really interesting point um and i think we see this repeatedly of worthy brilliant films don't get audiences and this film dare i say would do better now of democratization of, of, of film. no one's going to the cinema to see this I, I i don't know if like columbia or sony were pushing it as much as they they, they could have done in the mid 90s or self-funded or oh, oh okay I, you should have got someone to distribute this though I, i'm looking at columbia and sony on the, on the on the listings here but yeah but yeah trying to again a self-funded film trying to get that out into well, self well you know homegrown well, homegrown actually. funded but whatever and getting that it's out cool. into it's, the it's, masses it's, is, it was called is like the something 15 it's a group of 15 high profile yeah the 15 black men um, which includes will smith and wesley snipes um, are the funders of this film awesome. so it's a bunch That's of, awesome. of notable um black figures who got this one made. I think it's really brilliant. I don't want to over talk about it because I think we should just watch it. I think it's a really excellent film and is the kind of like hidden gem from a filmography mm. that, that, that you want. It's 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 super awesome. It's, really super it's so cool that you have found found, found something new here in a yeah. in a filmmaker you, you were pretty well versed in before we even started this yeah. venture. Um so we'll move on to his uh his first documentary, I want to say. Is this his yeah. first documentary for Little Oscar Girls. nominated. Oscar nominated. Uh, about the uh, the, the terrible tragedy of the yes. uh, Birmingham, Alabama church bombing of 1963 and the people involved in that. Yeah, the four young girls who were, were murdered in yeah. that. Um, it uses post-mortem images. Apparently he yeah. really thought about whether he should use them or not. Mm. Um, he chooses two, I think. It's, very it's, it's very effective. It's very powerful. It's a, it's a, it's a damn tough watch. but for, for It's for, a goddamn great documentary. For the, for, the right, for the right thing. He is a fantastic documentarian. Well, I mean, from, from the two I watched for this podcast, yeah. he is a, a fantastic documentarian. Um, uh, is not intrusive. Uh, and when he is intrusive, yeah. there is purpose behind that. Uh, especially, we'll, we'll talk about that for the... Um, uh, when the levees broke, oh, but um, which is yeah, like but, the best thing ever. Mm, um, yeah, your follow girls is 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 stunning. Um, it lost to a film called The Long Way Home, which was a Holocaust okay. um, documentary directed by a rabbi. Um, Spike Lee makes the point that I think he says like fifteen out of sixteen Holocaust films of 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 one when they're normally like, like it, it, it happens. What <laughs> what he's implying by that can be read into. Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I don't want to don't want to touch on that. Thanks, yeah. Spike. I mean, no, come we're, on, we're, we're, we're not comparing. We can't compare tragedies on this scale. I'm afraid, sir. I mean, he does. He he makes very interesting points about how there are parts of Black history because he is a a very vocal um, critic of Steven Spielberg's Amistad. 
I've not, not seen. seen. Not seen. Um, where is because of the the white centering of that story. Um, so it is about a tragedy on a on a, on a mm-hmm. enslaved people. Um, and the word Holocaust is used because the, the, the term Holocaust means things uh, outside of the, yeah. the Shoah. Of this is a Holocaust of of, of black people, like enslavement, mm-hmm. um, the 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 trade of enslaved people. Um, is a thing that is not spoken about in the same way yet as a, a, a massive tragedy but is not filmically captured in that way mm. and he keeps going back to like you will see footage of the holocaust because it's important because you need to um but footage of black tragedy is not used in the same way which is is very interesting um mm. but slightly maybe stop talking about judaism please yeah please, i mean please uh, you have a very um, interesting insight there, sir, but it's backed up on these anti-semitic remarks that have seemed to have plagued your career but i, I do like what yeah. you're saying there about um these stories aren't as much in the public consciousness yeah. um again it will talk about this with uh, when the levies broke um mm. of there is a, a story behind the story Kanye that West, you are, you have not <laughs> yes uh, a story behind the story you have been shown on television a, a much more important impactful narrative at play there um that documentary is fantastic but uh, for little girls it's quite easy to see it's it's, it's available online it's, quite yeah. quite simply mm-hmm. um in a slightly truncated version um um it's 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 really really good really powerful it's it's i remember when black Klansman came out yep. um mark kermode said that was his best film since for little girls oh, which okay. since the filmography i'm just like wow no. that's a very interesting um, i mean there's a, there's, a, there's a run there's a run between those films mr commode that i would say are, are pretty damn good as very, well very very good movies i don't know have yeah. you heard of this little film called the original kings of comedy no i meant I bamboozled or you know inside man 24th hour yeah uh commode's well, got yeah. takes you know yeah whatever yeah black Hansman is, is not as good as a lot of the next movies but, okay <laughs> um yeah um follow guys is is, is is brilliant um his next movie so you're telling me his return to right so you're telling me she's she's got to have it, but he's got game. Uh, oh, ah, I'm, I'm. Oh, have I missed? Sorry, you said that um, because you you're going to fall into something. Where I'm going to critique race. I'm Go on. Gonna critique some some racism here. And, oh no. Um, this film is called He Got Game. Yeah. Um, he Got Game. Mm-hmm. Um, very specifically that. And oh my god, the article. Oh the god. Weekly article that I read about this thing refers to it at the beginning as he's got game. Okay. That yeah, linguistic yeah. prescriptivism, racist prescriptivism of feeling the needs to grammatically uh, yeah, correct. Quotes yeah. it, correct. When it's 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 written in a specific voice that is not incorrect. It's just mm. viewed as being incorrect because of white centrism. Um oh Wow, Entertainment Weekly, way to start your article by misnaming the movie. Jesus Christ. Doesn't go well from there, I'll be honest. Um, but in that interview, you get this great quote. This has a great quote in it um, because he starts talking about um, James Cameron and Titanic. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Around the same Titanic. time, I'd, I imagine. Yeah. Um, what you said is okay. Um, and great quote here because he talks about how James Cameron, because compl- Oscar stuff, James Cameron complained about not getting an original screenplay nom. Direct quote from Spike Lee. I think Mr. Cameron is a great technical director, unsurpassed, but he can't write. And he definitely can't write dialogue. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, love that. Love that. Love that. Love that. Um, he got game is good. Um, I, 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 will, I will watch this one at some point because I do love a good basketball movie and I do love a good it's, Denzel Washington movie. So Yeah, it's too long. Denzel is great. It is about kind of like sports corporatism, mm-hmm. indentured stuff. It is legacies of mm-hmm. um, enslavement to an extent of 
the there's, there's an interesting views on it that people like to talk about the the prostitution of black men through devices and here mm-hmm. through through the idea of sport and basketball of at the center of this is jesus um not that jesus um the son of um, denzel's character who is mm-hmm. a basketball prodigy played by an actual basketball player um, yeah ray allen and yeah. Yeah, and it's it's him who has got so much promise, and there's this weird like back thing of the person's like letting Denzel's character out of prison mm. if he can get this kid to be signed up to this specific college team. Right, okay. So it's like backhanded things. Um, it's really quite misogynist. Misogynist this film. Oh, um, it's there's some really horrible portrayals of women in it. Um, it's got some cool stuff. It's got some style. It's it's shot really nicely. This is his first solo script. Um, and it's because his wife oh, um, cool. first script in a while I mean um, his wife said that basically she missed his voice it's been a while and he was like hitting football he's like actually you know the last few I made were either sure. someone's script or one with someone so this is him doing it again and it's ill-disciplined in that way um, unfortunately so we did not miss your voice Spike um, you were better <laughs> with others sorry okay, sure. um, <laughs> it's okay there's a really good scene at the end it's because Denzel's just incredible because he's just incredible in everything. So he just, just is holding this movie. Mm. Um, and they have a basketball showdown towards the end. And in the script, Denzel's character loses 11-0 um, in basket. So it's just a mm-hmm. first to 11 go. Um, in the movie, it's 11-5 because, quote unquote, <laughs> Denzel said, fuck that. I want to score just good at basketball. <laughs> God damn it. I'm not losing. I'm not losing that badly. So that absolutely rules, and it's it's a it, it that that stuff is great. Um, Hero game is fine. Cool, it's fine. Cool. It's got cool. it, it's got a cool soundtrack that mixes some genres you wouldn't expect. Cool. It's got that Public Enemy song. It's Hell cool. Yeah. Next up, John Leguizamo, Freak, a stand-up special that I did not watch. Yeah, I didn't, did, did not watch that. <laughs> no. um, uh, summer, yeah, well. Summer of Sam, and then we can get back onto ones I've seen. <laughs> yeah, Summer of Sam. Summer of Sam is is I starring starring John Leguizamo, so that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You do a stand-up, you do a stand-up thing, then you, you, you think it's bad. I thought it was bad, mm. but it actually comes together really well at the end in a way I did not think it was going to. Um, on the, like, It sounds like not a Spike Lee movie, mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't originally. So Michael Imperioli, um, known mm. for starring in The Sopranos, um, was going to write and direct a film about um, the... Son of Sam, serial killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so a string of murders in 1977 yep. in a very hot summer and a, a summer that was famous for a bunch of other things. Um, has that script, then realised that oh, I'm, I don't know if I can do this as a debut director. It's a bit much. Mm. Spike Lee was attached as as a producer, um, and he was like, you know what, Lee, you're the New York storyteller, which is up for debate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say he's one of many New York storytellers, but and this is not his area of New York. This is this is a Bronx-based story primarily. Yeah, um, and even talks about how he's like, I've never been to the Bronx. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> great, um, and he heavily rewrites it um, and and takes the director duties. Um, it is do the right thing esque, and it is about a damn hot summer. Yep, um, and it follows communities of people with building up prejudice and tensions. And explodes this act of violence at the end. The the ending is brilliant because mm. it is about how the toxicity of an act breeds out of it. The stuff at the serial killer is not very good. Okay. It's you see a lot of very just straight up shown just murders of, of young women, and they're just kind of like mm. 
I feel that they are used in the same this film, that they are not the same way, but similarly disposable if they are there just to be killed. Yeah. Um, because it's the story of known bad person, Adrian Brody, and known seemingly cool dude, John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. So their, their perspectives, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's ultimately decent. It's far too long and is a film that you can easily skip um, in an otherwise much better filmography. Um, I like that it is not really about the serial killer, but Ellen Carras um, takes over as the feature film DP here. She also shot Four Little Girls, mm. um, and she becomes the interesting um, cinematographer mm-hmm. that then goes to do Bamboozled. And she uses that um, same process of cross processing oh, okay, on yeah. some of the scenes. Um, in, in clockers, mm. as it in clockers. So it, it's interesting looking. It's a cool looking movie. Um, it's got some CBGB stuff in it. That's kind of cool. Oh, nice. And it stars, I say stars, it stars John Turturro as a talking dog. Well, right, stop the podcast. I'm going to have to watch this right now. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I, I need no more context for that. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> and Black Talent News described it as patently anti Italian American. Mm. Okay. I'm not going to say that it's not. Okay. Yep. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not going to say that it's not because I've not seen it, and the history that I mean, the Spike Lee films I've seen the past two weeks would lead me to believe that there is some that you know. Um, next movie. Well, the next, the next. I, I wanted to dip into some of his yeah. is is directed for stage slash stand up comedy stuff, and this one felt like an interesting one because I'd not really heard it's of good. this of this quartet of comedians. These are the the original kings of comedy. I knew. I knew all of them individually but to see them as this like troupe that seemed to be yeah. sort of like uh, massive in the late 90s early 2000s i i mean i only knew, i only knew steve harvey from like uh family fortunes and videos on twitter i've not never seen his actual stand-up comedy uh bernie mac i've seen before and cedric the entertainer as well and dl uh, dl Cooley. um i, I think with most stand-up material from the 2000s, there is some good stuff here. And there is also some terrible, terrible, uh, just yeah. really, really rough, misogynistic, racist, um, yeah. homophobic sort of stuff, which, you know, it's part of the course for 2000s comedy. But when it hits, it really hits. I, I had quite a few laughs at this. I think it's interesting that Spike's behind the camera and the, the dynamics of the backstage I think really shed a light on how these stuff. guys function as as comedians. I don't enjoy it mm-hmm. as content very much at all, uh, but I think it's really good because um, I think it, it really importantly captures a, a huge cultural event of these people massively selling out and would be so easy to ignore mm. um, in codified, be honest, white history. Um as an act of capturing, it's great. I love the contextualizing stuff around it. Mm. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. It's fine until it's not. Yeah. Um, but from that, it's fine. I'd say for every joke um, that works, there's two that I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. I think it's most interesting because it came out, quote unquote, back to back, direct quote from Spike Lee, with Bamboozled. These came out wow. almost at exactly the same time. And they're very much in I was going to say, yeah, they are kind of akin, aren't they? They're talking yeah. about entertainment and audiences um, from black major voices. Major character and... in Bamboozled that is a black stand-up, mm-hmm. um, and that and that's the the father of of Damon Wayans' character. Um, in Bam- well, Bam- let's let's segue straight into Bamboozled then. 
Because you, you I, I watched this for the first time this year. I, I didn't get a chance to revisit it this week. So you, yeah, you sat down and you watched uh, Bamboozled again. So talk to me about Bamboozled because I think this 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 film floored me. I watched this in uh, February. Um, someone was, was yeah. running sort of I think it was like a Black History Month yeah. uh, challenge of some sort. So I, I got a couple in, and uh, Bamboozled's always been on my watch list. I think the the general premise of it was always going to be interesting. And to finally sit down and watch it, I was shocked, horrified, but enthralled throughout. I think it's a very important piece of cinema. Yeah, it's it's kind of like um, so Marlon Riggs's Ethic Notions, which is a really good documentary. It's, it's no. kind of like Marvin Marvin Van Peebles mm. did um, Ethnic Notions, yes. but as a feature film. Mm. And so the the ending of the film is this amazing sizzle reel um, edited bit of just the history of blackface mm-hmm. in cinema, basically. And Spike Lee said that, you know, you have a guy at the Oscars who puts together a scissor reel cinema every year. Yep. Fire him, put that in yeah, it instead. Yeah, yeah. That's the history of cinema. Yep. Shove that. There's so many great interviews with this film because mm-hmm. it's made so many people so angry. I can imagine. Um, Roger Ebert hated it. Interesting. Um, because he was just like, the blackface is too much. Um, I'm like, Roger Ebert, I don't think you're in a position where you can you say can that. You can really um, comment on that. I sp- yeah. And, and a thing that I will note that my wife has noted a lot before of there is this belief that blackface appeared in media a period of time in the comfortable past and then stopped. Um, Jack, myself, Emma, we grew up with blackface on TV. Um, mm-hmm. 100%. In 30 Block, in The Mighty Boosh. I, I, what, um, I, I was looking at a Twitter thread the other day. Uh, famous like YouTube critics, movie critics, one of them got in blackface to review like a Blade movie. And it's like, that was it was never fine it's never been fine this has always been this has always been terrible but it was it was looked upon as joke as farce as gimmick as so much of popular culture i think uh uh babylon most recent babylon uh damien chazelle film touches upon that uh and i think really well really really well and said uh, firmly stamps down and said this has always been a problem this has always been yeah. wrong this has always been terrible so bamboozled is i i absolutely adore so this is my favorite spot yeah. i think it's just absolutely exceptional um because it's just so goddamn audacious and it is so discomfort inducing mm. and some people just wants to just not sit with that and i think you really really need to mm-hmm. because it should make other ways was about Monty Python soon. It does that Monty Python thing of occasionally just like, you know, Monty Python, they kept showing their original audience because their original audience was those old women that just didn't get it. Um, and this has this great thing where it keeps showing you this audience. And as Spiley talks about in interviews, of it's this audience of a kind of like a variety of people. There are white people and there are black people. And it's a lot of white people not knowing if they can laugh mm-hmm. or not. And then waiting for the black audience to laugh and going, oh, oh, it's okay, we can do this. <laughs> and the film is in that register the whole time mm-hmm. of being like, just... So yeah, you, at what the point, premise, yeah the pre- because there are points where you are just like, I, I want to laugh, I feel terrible for laughing, I know I shouldn't, but should I? It's funny, he says that. Which he is, says it's funny, it's like, this stuff is no, funny. No, it is that's funny, the that's the problem. Like, it's like, this- but the, it's, it's the way it presents comedy in this manner that makes the viewer reflect on everything, basically. It's like... it. it too brilliant comedic performances mm. who are then co-opted into a minstrel show yeah and they are good physical comedians so good. and it's this, this it's so it damon it's, damon, it's damon waynes is so good as will smith was supposed to be the lead Ooh, that's interesting turned it down because the legend of bag of ants offered him more money and also apparently he didn't really get it okay um 
Also, would have been a bad grooming for him. Don't, would have been. I mean, yeah, wouldn't. I, I can't have seen him going off after this. Jada Pinkett. I was going to say Jada Pinkett is brilliant. So um, wanted him to be in it. Mm. Um, Legend of Bag of Ants. I've not seen, but if you know it, you know it because it is the film that um, Spike Lee famously critiqued alongside the Green Mile when he talked about direct quote the magical negro oh um, okay the films that have these characters that exist for, so for late, white like, yeah. mollification yeah, yeah, yeah. um so will smith mm, interesting choices there of not doing bamboozled to do that mm. bamboozled is just um, so yeah so, this um, is shot on like digital isn't it or like mini dvs yeah. or something like that and um i think uh, first time i watched it the first cu- couple couple of scenes it's jarring but um towards the end of the film i feel it's like not all shot on video uh, but the, the stuff that sh- is shot on vid- video, like the incidental stuff, it, it feels very uh, in the room, in the moment, important. Almost like we shouldn't really be making this movie. I'm scared yes. we're going to get caught 100%. making well this movie. Yeah. Um, like Rome Open City vibes of being like, we, we are we just, are, making, we are just this. making this like, out in the open and someone will come shut us down. And they can't it's stop like, us because, yeah, when, this is what, a new line cinema. Uh, talking to people who, who saw How to Blow Up a Pipeline in, in screenings and think they were going to be arrested after the screening of it because it felt like such a radical thing. Um, but yeah, the form of those, this DV stuff just feel like funnels into, or for me anyway, that this is just important. Yeah. But we'll never get the the backing of something as as prestigious as other other films of this era, and doing it I in love this it way is is yeah. I love how it looks because of the intention behind it. Because it's exactly what you said, of aesthetically, does it look nice? No, I don't care about that. Uh, yeah, um, you are right. By the way, um, I've got direct quotes to say that it is literally slightly just says it was the only viable way to get this film made. Okay, um, wow. your video, only way to get it made. Um, Ellen Carras is behind it. They watched a movie, and that movie made them realise they could do this. And that movie was Festen, oh, um, the Vinterberg wow. movie. They that were like, sense. "Oh, you can do this." You absolutely. Um, <laughs> Spike Lee's Dogma movie, please. Yeah, it's a hundred and thirty-two page script. They had very little time. Mm-hmm. They're like, "If we don't film this this way, then we can't film it." Um, they had eight, nine, or ten cameras going at like any one point. Just it's like a multi-cam just sitcom, going for like, it, going yeah. for it. Yeah, absolutely wild. Um, apart from the TV show segments, which, which are, are filmed on Super 16, yeah. um, and look importantly different, and that they give that clarity, so that the horrible racism is given this like television clarity. Glee. It's like because this is... would be broadcast. This is the stuff that is being broadcast. So I like how it, it it switches the format in that way. To this is what the world is seeing, and all the the DV stuff is the stuff we're seeing behind the scenes. Oh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read some some bits. Please, yes, this I want to because learn some more. Um, so. What does Hollywood say to someone like you? They throw things like bet in your face, black entertainment television. Um, then all you can do is shut the fuck up because bet all bet does is show videos. Interviewer. But Bamboozled isn't harsh on the white media. Isn't only harsh on white media. It's stuff on blacks as well. Spike Lee. My people have to wake up and realise what's going on and our responsibility in it. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have a choice. Hattie McDaniels and Bojangles didn't have a choice. Nowadays, we don't have to do this stuff. So anything you do is on you. Mm. Um, interviewer. You take pretty big shots at actors, Ving Rames and Cuba Gooding Jr. in the film for the way they accepted their awards. Rames gave his Golden Globe back to veteran Jack Lemmon. Gooding did a backflip at the Oscars. That bothered you a lot. Spike Lee. When you give your award to a man you never met in your life, what do you expect? That sent chills down my spine to see him do that sort of award he earned. Mm. And I didn't know that was a uh, reference because the point. I didn't know where, that. At all. Yeah, Wayne's character just like, no, you have this award. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that had a real life that connection. That is, that's fascinating. 
The same with Cuba spinning on his head. What was that? But you notice neither has stopped working since. That kind of entertainment will keep you working. Mm. Interview. You've been fighting and saying these things a long time. Does it get frustrating? You know it's frustrating? Ignorance. Mm -hmm. Like white people asking, why does Spike Lee hate white people? That's ignorant to me. My films deal with the problems blacks have as well, but it comes back to the silly notion of me hating white people no matter what I do. Mm. There's stuff in this movie. It's, There's some stuff in this movie. It is powerful. It is incendiary. It is brilliant. Mm. It is about what blackness white audiences want yeah. and what it takes to get blackness on screen and if you did put on a minstrel show people would watch it and they would love it mm -hmm. um, yeah. it's dedicated to a white person interesting who, who do you know um... the writer of a face in the crowd oh wow interesting what i mean I... because he sees he sees this as a direct descendant of so when they were making network yeah they spoke to this person and said, we are out-networking you. Out, sorry, out-facing-the-crowding yeah, you yeah. with network. And he is there going, like, I am out-networking this. So he, he sees <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a ladder sequence chronology. just keep going, 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 um, going to who can get the most media literate takedown. Yeah, and the film's brilliant. Mm. It, it is... On one side, it, it presents this this minstrel show of that's what you want. And on the other side, it shows, and this is the the thorniest element, is its present presentation of gangster rap, of it shows how mm. rap music is being packaged for white audiences and is becoming its own kind of minstrelsy. Yeah. It's the point it kind of makes of, in the same way we talk about performative gender, it's this idea of like, it is a... So ways of feminism talking about how femininity had become a kind of like cartoonish performance for for the male gaze mm -hmm. and what spike lee is saying and i'm not sure i entirely agree it's quite a broad thing but it's very interesting mm. is that a lot of what he calls his words gangster rap is this idea of packaged caricatures of blackness um that is the same way of playing a role in that way and that that comparison but the point he makes is these people believe in something mm. here and they are not as to fault as all the people that have, it's it's yeah, bamboozled is incredible everyone should watch it it's astonishing we are to a stage show a huey p newton story okay which richard gwemma smith um, plays back, yep. huey p newton Marlon. it's a one-man show really worth watching and you can find it quite easily okay interesting and this is it's a good performance uh, about it's a monologue. Uh, black, black panthers is it yeah yeah um it's good i think it it's because it's a monologue performance and it's so much about being in the room mm. and it's you can it's all around he's in the center and it's like it's like it's like a prison um looking on him mm. um it's a really studied brilliant performance i think as an 80 minute monologue it overstays and as a filmic text eh. yeah you, you lose something from not being in the room in, in you know in yeah. the immersed area of the actual performance itself but it's a great performance. It's really worth watching. It's really cool. And he he goes back to a one-man show later with the same actor, okay, cool. again, taking on a figure in, in black civil rights history. Mm. Um, but the next movie is one of his most famous and acclaimed films. 25th Hour? Yes. 9-11 movie. Yeah. What do you think of this? This was new to you. I new watched to this me. before. Um, um, so new to me. Yeah, absolutely new to me, and I, I, I was baffled to see that um, produced by Toby Maguire, <laughs> which just came out of nowhere for me. Um, but yeah, I really like this movie. How do you think it looks? Because I, I, I think it looks bad. I kind of liked this look. I don't know what it is. It's like the, a sort of new millennium 
post nine eleven. There's a grittiness to it. There's a there's a sterile nature to it. I'd say. I think I put in my notes that it feels like this strange cleanliness to this this dark and gritty landscape post nine eleven. I, I I like the intentionality of the texture. It is a muddied, distorted film. Mm. It is exactly the film that I want about um, post nine eleven. Um, New York. I think it's so brilliant because Spike Lee is one of our chroniclers of New York, um, and for him to to be this, what does New York mean now after this thing? Mm. And it is one of the best films I've seen about what does this turning point mean for the community, mm-hmm. this spread or this revelation of hatred mm. of, and that's what the film is about of someone that's been getting away with something for a long time, um, that's been polluting and damaging, and getting a kind of comeuppance. But it never forces that connection, which I think is the beauty of it. It never goes, this is like 9-11, huh? It's just like, look at these echoing things. Mm -hmm. It's deeply human and and powerful. And it's it's a film of Tenebers. There's a really, really upsetting point um, where a teacher has a romantic rendezvous with a student that is one of many shocking turning points in this film Mm -hmm. about shocking turning points. And it's a really great collection of that. It has one of the best Spike Lee dolly shots in it absolutely brilliant one in that club scene as they just oh, glide yes. from that club yeah, yeah, yeah. the dollies who shot brilliant. this one is yeah. it, um... I don't know actually Rod- is this Dickerson uh, no this is Rodrigo this? Prieto who I okay. don't think collaborated with Spike before or since so not one of the big three uh, is a, is a, um, um, a contemporary Scorsese head he did Irishman and um, oh. Wolf of Wall Street and yeah. silence as well i think oh, I love um so it's interesting to see him working with spike in this regard i don't really i suppose maybe it's through um there's of course a connection that yeah makes sense. possibly I mean, but also new, new, i think the new york capture is capturing new york yeah um it makes sense new york plays a character is... you know uh, what do you think of edward norton here he's good i think he's very, I think very, he's good. very good i think it's very interesting perspective to tell the story from and to have norton um, leading up the charge uh, as this as this drug the, dealer the and the white struggles. Drug dealer is a re- is is mm-hmm. is the way to do this. Yeah. Um, and the guilt and toxic spread of the white man here mm. is enough way it links very nicely to the nine eleven stuff of being like mm-hmm. this is not just a moment out of nowhere. This is this is the culmination of complex exploitative geopolitics over a long time. And I'm not going to be as crass to say this is a chicken suck hunt through moment because obviously it's a national tragedy. But there is the sense of this is not an out of nowhere event. This this is has been percolating. Uh, this is this is a response, a disproportional response in ways to imperialism. Mm. And here it goes. This is a response to the pollution of community over time. What that means? Um, it's interesting. It's cool. There is that very affronting monologue. Mm. Um, that is so in line with Do the Right Thing, which I'd not noticed as I rewatched Do the Right Thing. And you're like, oh, wow, you're doing that again. You're doing it again, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ending of this film mm. is why I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and this is this is one of our, our best boys, one of our main men, who I know, because of Succession, has a, a huge renaissance in popularity now. It's Brian Cox. Yeah, mm. but Brian Cox has always paid... He's always been very good. Actor. He's always been very. I haven't and, seen. I mean, like when I think of Cox's like nah. cinematic roles, it's sort of it's like a, a, a there's Rushmore, there's X Men Two, and then like Manhunter, and that's like my yeah. my trilogy for for Brian Cox. But and he, 24 hour. and twenty four hour. That speech at the end yeah. is 
one of the best things I've seen in a long time. Mm. It's just very, very powerful. There's, there's almost never was. Uh, uh, spreading uh, beyond the city connections, what it means. Was this just... based on a book or was this an original screenplay? Because I think the the, the uh, it was a David Benioff script. I can't remember if it was um, adapted from a, a book or not. But that, that... The script's kind of the weakest part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's not uh, it, it doesn't. It, yeah, it, it functions um, best when it is it is direct form. I think when it when it's Spike yeah. working with these character moments and linking these narratives together, like the Philip Seymour Hoffman stuff, um, oh, it yeah. is at an arm's length for a long time until he slowly brings it in to uh, Edward Norton's life again. The Rosario Dawson stuff. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really goddamn good. Yep. Um, and then, right. what if Spike Lee made very different films, but the more movie? Is this She, she Hate Me? She Hate Me is bad. This is a bad movie that I very much did not enjoy. Okay. Um, do you want to see several scenes, several CG scenes of Anthony Mackie's face on sperm? No. Then don't watch the movie <laughs> see it a lot. Um, Jesus. This movie's just wild. It's not good. and it's, It is misogynist. Um, One heterosexual male, oh. eighteen lesbians. His fee ten thousand dollars each. That's the tagline. Yep, that that's is, the tagline. That is wild. This is a movie that begins to be about. I God, it's so hard to talk about because it's twelve movies in one. So <laughs> it's it's about corrupt big farmer stuff, and it's about economic crash kind of stuff. Mm. It's about Enron. It's about all this like it's a real grab political bag. moral corruption but what it's really about is about how anthony mackie's ex-wife is bisexual and now she's with a woman so that, and goes, she wants yeah. to be pregnant so they want him to be a sperm donor because it's a spike lee movie they're like oh but i want you to to i want you to fuck me of like i, I want it to do it properly mm-hmm. um because this film has a profound misunderstanding of sexuality okay. um and then he just becomes a thing that he, he just screws lesbians um, for the rest of the movie. Um, and it has so many scenes of them being like, oh, this is great. Oh, wow, this is great. I've been waiting. It's just, it's, it's really distasteful and really, really bad. Uh, yeah. I, there are, I, there's, doing this select perspective, there have been movies that I've always known about uh, in terms of, like, do the right thing and uh, she's yeah. got to have it and things like, you know, cornerstones of American cinema and there are just Spike Lee films that I just have never heard of before and I don't yeah. don't know if I'll ever get round to and this seems like Oh, we'll get one to one of those soon as well. Oh, right. <laughs> you hear about Red Hook okay. Summer and why that's maybe his worst movie. Okay, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you've got Isaiah Whitlock Jr. in this so, of course, mm-hmm. he goes, shit, oh, at some point. That's great. Um, he always does that, so... Mm-hmm. Though actually in Chirac, um, Isaiah Woodlock Jr. has his shit, um, but he holds it for like 20 seconds and it, it's embarrassing. Oh, God. Um, mm. You're like, you're better than you this. You are better you're than this. Everyone involved is better than this. Um, <laughs> God damn it. So yeah, She Hate Me is terrible. Which one's next? He's got a couple of ones here. But I don't... Inside Man. Okay, so you've skipped Sucker Free City and whatever these are. I don't know what these are. These are, these are stage showy stuffy. Blah. Yeah, Inside Man's awesome movie. Great score, looks awesome. Awesome look to it. It's very functional, heisty, um, smart and suave. Just enough politics for you to go, oh, make you think, does it really make any sense? Kind of no. But, but as a nice piece of like savvy genre, twisty cinema, it really works. I think... Um, Holocaust guilt stuff. Mm, yeah, some, this, this, there's, some know, stuff there's some stuff in here. There's some stuff in here. Denzel, again, on top form. Oh. 
Oh, Clive Owen. Very, very good, isn't it? Willem Dafoe. Christopher Plummer. It's the whole gang. It's Chris Plummer's pretty that the what it's all really about of the people. It's a it's a good money a good so good film about how institutions, Wall Street, etc., built on legacies of exploitation mm-hmm. or about Nazi money. Um, yeah, it's, it's that's just good. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just stylish and cool. Really it's, good. it's it's him doing Dog Day After- Yes, it's him doing Dog Day Afternoon to the extent that one of the characters even talks about Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, uh, he's like, "You've seen Dog Day Afternoon. You know what's going on." I'm like, "Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. do know what's going We're on." We're doing that. We're doing the Spike Lee version that. of that. Love this. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's a contemporary counterpart. Um, there's so much one of his most fun, seen movies. It's, really it's cool. fun camera trickery in this one. Um, it's like uh, it gives gives the audience the full sort of scope of uh, of everything that's going on for the the New York police procedural. Um, it's his best mainstream film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say so. I think this is one of his most popular. Like you would you would find this like on most popular on Netflix or something. This is this is what the people watch. I would say because it's so akin. to... I watched this on Amazon Prime. Yeah, both exactly. Times I've watched it. Exactly. It's just it's one like. My dad probably doesn't know who Spike Lee is, but I bet he's seen Inside Man. It's just oh, feel... the old boy director? Cool. <laughs> oh, the guy who did The Sweet Blood of Jesus? My favourite movie. <laughs> oh, I love Red Hook Summer. <laughs> I love the original Kings of Comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, Inside Man is good. Uh, I, re- I watched this it's for the great. first time last year. I didn't have a chance to rewatch it this week, but uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really left an impression on me. I think that... <sighs> I didn't think you were going to watch. I I did did not plan on this. I did not plan on this because it's four hours long and I thought, do I want to sit down and watch a four-hour documentary on Hurricane Katrina? And my first thought was no. And my second thought was yes, because I love watching long-form documentaries, um, especially like areas of history or even like contemporary history that I am aware of, but I'm not really aware of. Like I knew Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, you know the news coverage. I was was alive. I I saw, you know, terrible footage of a massive hurricane and (laughs) I thought... You've seen old boys. (laughs) I completely forgot about that. And um, yeah, so I bad patch of insomnia this past week i threw it's on it's on youtube in two parts and i put the first part on yeah, thinking i'm gonna get the first 20 minutes i'm gonna get a feel for it and i just watched the whole first two hours the first two episodes i think yeah. it's like a four part um hbo hbo docuseries yeah, five parts um, I think and it is just one of the like best constructed documentaries i think i've ever seen in terms of yeah. telling a narrative and unveiling and pulling back layers and layers and layers of narrative and 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 putting the story in the hands of the people that were involved and the people that were most effective and the people that were ultimately responsible for uh, the levees breaking and this absolute atrocity that definitely could have been prevented yeah i think it's the best thing politics have done um it's it's gen exceptional. I learned so much, mm-hmm. and I said I, in my I, short review at the time, I was, I was angry, angry at things I yeah. didn't know existed. Um, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's Calvin also it, loves it. Um, it's, it's absolutely terrible. When I was watching it, I, I was so scared it was going to. Well, not scared. I was I was thinking it was going to slip into Michael Moore territory, where it becomes yeah. a combative. Uh, interrogation, Spike Lee in your face, front and center, in front of like the politicians um, and people like that. But it's not. It is very much letting the people tell their stories and having Spike. I think there's maybe like two or three little moments where you can hear Spike behind the camera prompting or just just touching on one little thing you said there to explore, um, like 
um, the politicians or the government bodies responsible. And I like that. I like when there is a documentarian that knows when to include their own voice, their own um, their, their own personality within this structure here. Um, but for the most part, it is very much the people who are involved. Sean Penn. Why Sean Penn? I had ne- I'd never heard of this being so heavily involved in this. Um, I, I saw your review and the the end yeah. end, end sequence of Sean Penn being like it's, it's Sean Penn, like, hey it's Sean Penn. It's um, Sean Penn. I, I absolutely I absolutely hate Sean Penn for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, his wider inclusion is important than this oh, because very, he did stuff. Yeah, yeah, but when he's absolutely. just like I'm Sean Penn, like, um, the Bush stuff is fucking. I, ugh. Makes you, makes I, you again, makes you dislike Bush even more than you thought you disliked yeah. Bush, which is surprising because. Well, Jack and I was from a generation we knew that we were supposed to hate George Bush. Um, we, were, we were very young at the time. Um, and then the older you get, you're as why, and it's yep. like, oh no, this is this. The, these are the reasons why people hate, hate yeah. George Bush. Yeah, uh, f- and Kanye West obviously shouldn't be talked about, but the Kanye West <laughs> bit Mike <in> Myers <laughs> is incredible. George Bush hates Incredi- black the, people, and Mike the Myers best thing he has ever, ever said. That's his best lyrics he's ever written. Uh, and the Harry Belafonte who recently passed all that stuff is just who is in Black Klansman monumental oh really wow yeah he has the best scene in Black Klansman oh, wow. um, it's absolutely but perfect. yeah an absolute yeah. must watch documentary if you're going to come away from this retrospective watching even one of Spike Lee's documentaries and you do have for one hour episodes in you yeah. I would definitely recommend watching When the Levees Broke people People, people watch watch, watch crap watch all uh, fucking crime dramas uh crime documentaries on netflix 12 part series about some exploitative crap watch this important vital if story you, i don't think these things are crap because i've not watched them and they're brilliant if you watched oj made in america mm, or if that's you good. watched um the last dance that's also good um watch this mm. um this is that kind of prestige brilliant storytelling important social history mm-hmm. Um, about but, racial politics, but it never, it never needlessly, it never over dramatizes things because it doesn't need yeah. to be overly dramatized. Because this is Probably. one of the like worst tragedies in contemporary history, and Spike doesn't need to, yeah, which does not need to twist anything here. He is, he is just laying it down matter of fact, and it is incredibly captivating, heartbreaking, but absolutely vital cinema. I'd say, yeah, it's his, it's his, his best thing. Um, his next movie I had never heard of. Um, so, Miracle at St. Anna. No, Miracle on Morgan's Creek. What is that? Miracle at St. Anna this? is his first war movie. Okay. This is, is this... Five Bloods before Five Bloods. Is this World War II? Um, World War II. Okay. It shares a scene with Five Bloods. Yes, I think um, I mentioned... Yeah, I saw, you, I saw you mention this. Yeah, so there is there is a... It, it's it's bad. This film is not very good, um, which is a shame. Um but there is a scene partway through. It's about this this black um, battalion of soldiers in the Second World War, Italian front, um, late war, hmm. and they're walking through, very nervously, going about to get shot, walking in a line, and they hear over the over the tannoy this character called Axis Sally, who is talking to the American GIs and talking about how their country um, is against them. Um, is prejudicial to them, but the Nazi regime is not blah blah blah, right, etc. And then you've got into Five Bloods, you've got um, Hanoi Hannah um, talking over the thing and being like, hello, American GIs, blah blah, blah. Martin Luther King has been shot. Hmm. So that thing happens in both movies and it's better here. Okay, interesting it's obviously, that he's uh, purposely echoing that, but. Yeah, um, this is a bit Inglorious Bastards for Inglorious Bastards. Okay. It's a bit Men Five Bloods for Five Bloods. 
it's just not good is the problem it, mm. i wish it was i'm i feel fondly towards it because it is a really interesting film about these suppressed histories of black soldiers mm. it's got a pointless framing device of art thievery and a murder in the present day and okay it's bad it doesn't really make any sense it never really finds a story within its two hours and 40 minutes mm-hmm. it just lumbers around for a film that's really about breaking stereotypes it's it's got a lot of stereotypical representations of women it's oh, got a lot of stereotypical man. representations of italians wow, um, this, this no longer surprises Germans. me i mean that, um, that 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 i can't say i'm surprised about having this american yeah. world war ii thing with uh the stereotypical german presentation I, consider me shocked it's just i wish it was better than it sure. is it's it is training wheels to five bloods, mm-hmm. and on a rewatch, to five bloods is yeah. I want to hear. Brilliant. I want to hear your thoughts. It, your your, your updated good, thoughts on to five bloods. But yeah, too long. Not very good. It's a real damn shame. No one watched it. No one cares. Um, Don't watch it. Next okay. up, old boy. <laughs> no, next up is Red Hook Summer, which is his worst movie. Oh right, um, what Jesus is, Christ! What is Red Hook Summer. Oh God, Red Hook Summer. Um, it stars um a character called Mookie. Um, okay, do the right thing. Who walks past, played by Spike Lee, with his talking about it's generally it is Mookie for the right thing, um, and he talks about how he's still working in Sal's pizzeria, um, and you're like, oh god, Mookie, please don't. Um, mm. It's just embarrassing. Um, this is a coming of age story about some people from uh, Seattle or somewhere. Let's just say. Let's <laughs> say it's not, it's. Um, um, I think it's Atlanta. Atlanta. The Seattle, <laughs> the, the, the Seattle um, of Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, the Seattle of Atlanta. Um, they blah, 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 and they has to go live with grandfather in a Brooklyn neighborhood. Is there a, a preacher. Is there an anamorphic lens to show the alienation <laughs> and discomfort in this? Uh... Alas, no. It's 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 self-financed again, mm. blah, blah, blah. And it's all fine, just like this doesn't really mean anything, mm. blah, blah, blah. And then out of nowhere... Um, spoilers for Red Hook Summer mm-hmm. um, someone just comes in on a dolly shot and just says hello priest um, you molested me when I was a child and, oh, uh, whoa. and I'm like sorry what that... movie and that's the last 20 minutes is dealing with that and it is what? so poorly handled it's so out of place it is so it's, disgustingly it's done. just out of the blue as well just like it's yeah, not even yeah, been yeah. oh yeah. wow that's, that's, that's and really and the intent is that these things do happen out sure. of the yeah, blue is sure. it presentationally and they do happen in the real world mm-hmm. but it's just and they not are covered up also, and you know secretive and you know this is how they come to light is in this this shocking manner but but also films exist and it is not films job to reflect reality it is films jobs to make points that we uh-huh. can't see in reality yeah. therefore you shouldn't have just like plot twist <laughs> child molestation yeah, okay. um, that's rough it's, it's, that's it's, really rough what it feels like is and this is really tasteless of me it feels like Jane Eyre of when the, the marriage in Jane Eyre that gets counseled is like mm. and it turns out Rochester was already married it's got that vibe being sure. like this cannot take place <laughs> um, which is not a thing there is a flashback sequence which is like oh how about I have a flashback to the molestation scene I'm like how about you don't film how about you don't do <laughs> please, that please god um, no and then it's got some characters that just kidnap this priest and try and beat the crap out of him mm. which is i'm like oh, why this film is uncomfortable for the reasons you don't realize it is uncomfortable yeah. for it's just i think it's just so tasteless and so horrible it's a shame. Like, what are you doing it's just boring and then it's just really objectionable and then old boy happens mm. and then the sweet blood of jesus happens it's like spike lee so yeah what that's his doing? trilogy that's his hottest trilogy yeah if you want to listen to our takes uh our in-depth takes on old boy and the sweet blood of jesus please check out our kino thanks which should be two episodes ago um 
post those two, he's got a Cat Williams stand-up special, yeah. which I like, uh, which I watched, which I did not okay. like. And then the next one for us is Shirak. Shirak, um, um, as in to rhyme with. Iraq about Chicago. The idea that Chicago has become right. Chirac because the murder rate in Chicago is higher. Right. The murders. Um, I. Ooh, it's this is hard to talk about because obviously this this okay. idea of black on black violence is not a thing because they don't talk about white on white no. violence, but it is the the murders of black people by other black people outnumber um, the death count in the Iraq War. And Chirac. Mm. It's an angry movie, um, and it has reasons sure. to be angry. This is part of two mm-hmm. Amazon-produced films, and they're really weird. Um, so he made two films for Amazon, um, and they are both pseudo literary adaptations. So, okay. Oh, this is yeah. What's this based off of? This film is cool. I do like it. Um, I don't like it as much as apparently uh-huh. a lot of people. Um, so it's based off. Lysistrata, um, the Aristophanes yes, play, which, as everyone knows, was immortalised in film in a film that no one's seen, but it's one of my favourite movies. Um, Mai Zetterling, um, Swedish actor who was in a bunch of um, Bergen movies, she directed The Girls, um, which is a phenomenal yeah. film, which is about a production of Lysistrata and then builds that into the plot and it, it matches the film so well and it's absolutely brilliant. So if you've seen The Girls like me because you're cool, then you watch Chirac and be like, well, it's not the girl, is it? So, like, and what? Yeah, yeah I'd rather watch uh, B.B. Anderson, yeah. please. So, genuinely, I'm like, that film shows you how you can use this plot so additively. And so, Lysistrata mm-hmm. is a play in which there is a war happening and the women of the of the place say that they will not have sex with the men. Uh, so they go on a sex strike and that is going to create peace okay. and... Um, so huh. Spike Lee turns That's that into the rallying cry of no pussy, no peace um, which is it's an interesting melding melding point between the two there but um, yeah. it's a cool movie um, Okay, I, I like it I don't think it entirely works um, it's mm. stylish, it's cool it's technically written in verse but like not really <clears throat> because it doesn't all work and it feels a bit forced. Yeah. You have um, Sam Jackson playing this chorus character. It looks awesome. It runs longer than it should. Um, it's sexy. Mm. It's cool. It's really angry and righteously angry. It is a good movie. So I really, really love it. Um, but it is. It's a little bit much. And I think that the, the plot doesn't really fall back into its messaging very very well and its ultimate point is isn't this bad and I'm like yes it is bad but mm. it's a Spike Lee movie it's two kinds of institutions and it doesn't really make a sensible point beyond this is a bad thing and something needs to be done um, Rodney King Rodney King um, yeah so this is just a, a companion piece to the Hugh P. Newton thing so same actor really good um, really important story obviously it's on Netflix I just think people should watch it um, I think it is st- cinematically better realized it is more made to be it's more like a collaboration less than Spike Lee is just filming this one man show it's really really good um does some brilliant stuff I think the it's more of a narrative than just I'm doing a character for an hour and a half um it's really cool it's on that for 50 minutes watch it it's great very cool do you want to talk about Passover yeah I think it's really good um was great um cool it is a film stage play um filmed very very well um, it is 
Waiting for Godot riff. Um, it's two black men on a street corner, so it's um, 64th Street and Martin mm. Luther King Jr. Um, drive. So it's a symbolic kind of like um, cross sections, like liminal spaces. So that like the Giacometti um, tree for Waiting for Godot, the, the, the single um, things that that great story that Beckett and Giacometti mm. um, were looking at that tree. And someone walked in, and and they're looking at it, and then someone went, "Is it finished?" And they went, "We're not sure." <laughs> um, and that's just great because that's that's just the most of them thing ever. Yeah. So, um, it is. Stuff we've heard some for about contemporary um, white society. Um, it's quite leaving. It's mm-hmm. well written. It's a little bit affected. It's never quite brilliant, but it's always good. It worked very well as a play. Um, it's, a, it's, it's great that it exists, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then we have the big one. His, I would say, most watched film. Um, I was going to say, I, I say the big one because I feel like this is the one that most. Yeah. I'd say most. Um, maybe like a return to the the the, the spotlight for Spike yeah. Lee. I feel like this got a lot of traction. Um, obviously, uh, award award nominated um yeah. and no denzel washington but a little man called john david washington yeah. what do you think of black climate um, <laughs> yes yeah i mean people like this movie because people like milk toast liberal stories about police success um, um and that is this i think this movie mm-hmm. is great i do really, really love it um it is politically off-putting in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um the trump stuff is uh like many figures um Spike Lee gets really obsessed with Trump as a singular figure, and that's yes, such a, like a, a, pointing as uh, if this is the the source of all the problems. Yeah, and it, it's got which is much... so uh, antithetical to I feel like early Spike Lee, where he was sort of gesturing to a mm. whole movement of people and a whole ideology rather than central figures or figureheads. You know, in Spider Man, there we go. Do I ever? Um, that film was widely criticised for having. Applause breaks oh, in the movie. God. Black Clansman has one of those and I've forgotten. Does it? There, yeah, there is a point where they're talking about um, David Duke, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And a character says to um, the lead, the black lead, being like, you know, there might be a point in the future where we have a president who is a supporter uh, uh. of Kurt's clan. Mm hmm. Wink. No, that would never happen. But there, there is literally that there is like, literally pregnant a, a, pause, like, like a, oh. a pregnant pause, a uh, a it's, gasp, and a slight it's, applaud. It's like they look at the camera and go, "Donald Trump." I wrote a review of it. It feels like you're watching Animal Farm, and a character goes, mm. "Imagine if this were to happen in Russia," mm. and it was humans. And I'm like, "Yes, I know. I know. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand what you're I doing here. I get it. I get it." I get it. Like, again, you don't need to say, and it's got the, the ending of Black Clansman is its best bit by far. The, the montage the, sequence, which is uh, 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 terrible. I cried again watching it. I cried in cinema. it's unbelievably very upsetting, upsetting sequence, but really, really well put together. Um, mm. It's a really good movie. The performance is great. It's really, really funny. Um, look up what Boots Riley said about it. He's he's really on point. Mm. It is a story about police success. Um, Spike Lee was paid by the police before this to make like wow. publicity campaigns for the police. Is this one of those? Legally not, but is it in that spirit? Very much mm-hmm. yes, and is it built about success? Yes, it is. Um, it's milk toasty, it's very, very liberal. Um, 
but it is still a great story and it's really cool and it's got great performances mm-hmm. and it's really funny and it's real put together and when it works it works it's got a better female character than most Spike Lee's stuff she's not given enough um, mm-hmm. but she's so damn good and the Belafonte scene where which is the um, the Birth of Nation Torn Through scene that stuff is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. and when it's good it's so goddamn good but that was still great still great We've got COVID short New York, New York, which is just, yes, COVID happened in New York. Um, to Five Bloods is Five Bloods. Miracle uh, Satana 2. Um, <laughs> Electric <edition>. Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's making too many movies in a movie. Um, Again. I liked it less than my life. I was going to say, cause I, I remember when we did uh, Stax Awards, the first Stax Awards, um, you, had, you were singing praises of To Five Bloods in, in many regards. Darroy Lindo and... He's, so he's what's changed? What's changed? What's changed so, for you on, on um, rewatch? I think I'm a bit more fed up of just like spiraling out of control. Five films, by Lee movies. Mm. Um, Too many I movies in your movie. I mean, yeah, you have. The Trump you stuff have... has aged even worse because it feels so vaguely just. It's so slightly short of the mark. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't. A lot of it just doesn't really work, but that's all of it really, really works. And Chadwick Boseman's brilliant in it as, as, as the centre. Um, mm. I just don't think the style is as additive as it is in some of his other movies. It it feels a bit like we're just doing this again. Um, I think it would work better as a Vietnam War movie um, okay. than it does as this this split stuff. Um, it's got a bunch of good performances. It's very spikely. His next movie is much better. Yeah, it's the, the best it's movie I've ever seen. David Byrne, I, I, yeah, I've seen the stage show a couple of times, and when I, this was announced, I was like, "This is going to be, this is going to be great." Stop making sense. One of the best films ever made, and this is sort of like a spiritual successor mm. sequel to that. It is playing with form, theatricality, lighting, like stage design. Obviously, goes down to the people involved in the original Broadway production. Oh, this camera I think, can go everywhere. This but, camera but everywhere. I think it's what Spike beautiful. does within this production is is magical. I think there's such a synergy with David Byrne and Spike Lee and their their politics and their approach to activism and uh, a call a call for action. Um, it's just fantastic. I absolutely love David Stack Byrne. Award David winning. Byrne's um, Stack Award winning Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful concert. Um, There's time for being in a good mood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, potatoes, potatoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, the most recent Spike Lee thing is he did a night commercial, only interesting because uh, during his career, the what got mm-hmm. money is it's like a turnaround, Jordan like, commercials. A, like a yeah, it's come full circle, but in a very strange way. Yeah, um, you're above this now, Spike Lee. Um, I get that it's 50 years off, and it's like you know going back to those things. Um, him playing Mars Blackman again is just like it's embarrassing. Feels very reductive. <laughs> it's, it's it's like that moment in Red Summer where he brings up and be like, oh please just. Don't, um, and yeah, it's just it's Nike Lee, Nike Lee. There we go. Nike-ly. Nike-ly. Um, and that that's it up to the current date. Um, I think he, I don't, uh, he's got. Well, I don't know if these are actually in production or in pre-production, but the one on Letterbox is called Boner, a musical based on Viagra. Um, 
directed by Spike Lee, yeah, written he's, written he's by Spike Lee. Cats, which will probably come out. Um, both oh, of course, them. yeah. And yeah. another one is uh, another Broadway production called De Understudy, which I don't think there's any more details about. So, Spike, Spike Lee. Lee. That is Spike Lee yeah. in two as a behemoth episode of yeah. Spike Lee Select Respective Retrospective. Not even a Select Respective, because Stephen's pretty much gone through the whole lot there. And if you have got this far into this episode of The Stacks, you need to head over to patreon.com forward slash The Stacks on film because we're going to be talking Spike Lee. But we're going to be talking Spike Lee in tier form. We're going to be talking about where his filmography works with... What am I saying? We're going to be talking about how his filmography... How am I saying? I don't know we're going to talk, ab- you know talk what, about... You know you'll find out what he's saying by <laughs> listening to it's and watching. It's patreon.com. Uh, we're going to do a tier ranking. saying. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we're going to do a ranking of the Spike Lee projects we've covered here. Um in our in our Spike Lee tier system, ranging from the best Spike Lee to oh, the worst Spike Lee. Is that right? <laughs> uh, so thank you very much, thank you very much, Bravo, for suggesting this theme. It has been a very long time coming for me, and a very beneficial, worthwhile deep dive for yeah, both of us, you. I'd say. Yeah. So um, yeah, thank you all for listening to this. You can email us future suggestions for topics and filmmakers and movements to cover the stacks on film at gmail.com. Again, patreon.com forward slash the stacks on film for more goodies, more spikely, more opportunities to talk with us and throw in suggestions and make us revisit films, make us watch films for the first time. Loads and loads of good stuff. And next week we or next week next episode we are going to be tackling from Spike Lee to the silly boys of Monty Python, we're going to do the the filmic works, the cinematic yeah. universe of the the Ministry of Silly Walks, the Monty Python movies. Yes, me too. Um, movies I know off the back of my like the back of my hand, but I'm also going to do a bit more of a deeper dive into uh, some other sort of spin-offy projects that yeah. most of the Pythons are involved with, or you know this, that, and the other. Oh, Spike Lee. What a filmmaker. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Stacks. And as always, don't let the shivers beast get the clockers beast get you. Do the right thing and subscribe to our Patreon. Thank you. Good night. God bless. And don't let the beast get you.